everyone, Charlotte here. I am so happy that you're listening to our The Rise of Skywalker breakdown. Caitlin and I talked about The Rise of Skywalker for six hours. So because that is a huge file, I have decided to edit that down and split that up into two different parts. So this is part two. And in this part, we will cover from where we left off in the last episode to the end of the movie. Just a reminder to listen to part one first, which includes a disclaimer about the fact that this review is largely negative and critical. And I just really want everyone to hear what we had to say in the beginning of the last episode before they dive into this part of the episode, if that's okay. So without further ado, let's get started. So back to the scene, though, I think that Kylo really does think that this information will convince Rey that they're the same. Yeah. Um, his line, my mother was the daughter of Vader, your father was the son of the Emperor. What Palpatine doesn't know, Ray, is that we're a dyad in the forest, dyad in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> two two that are one. It, it, all complaints about the Palpatine thing aside, this is where I could see if they had been like, you know, going for the Palpatine thing from the very beginning, which I know that they were not, I I would have bought it. Um I think that there are poten- there's there's potential there to be a really interesting story. It's like dark Anastasia, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of hotly debated too about like the Anastasia impl- implications even going into this movie, you know? And I I think that it could have worked, but I do think it's interesting that this point of view is so um it's so structured for Ben being like, "Look, like we have this legacy and like you it's so hard to live up to the legacy and we both have that going for us. Like, don't you see, like we're both, we're so, we're similar. We're similar in this way. And um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's really interesting. And then of course she jumps just like Luke jumps after. Um, Luke reacts though. In, yeah. And then he jumps. <laughs> There's no reaction. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting because it's like, wait, what's a dyad? 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 Is it dyad or dyad? I still don't know. I don't know. Just go with your gut, you know? Okay. Um, And this is definitely something that we learned in the Oracle. Like, it has to be, right? Yeah. I guess. I guess. I guess this is this is also what I'm like. I don't I don't understand how Palpatine knows what he knows or doesn't. I don't understand how Palpatine doesn't know certain things rather than what he does know. You know, because Agree. He, he's supposed to be the puppet master over everything, and he he was able to manipulate Anakin's entire life, <laughs> but uh-huh. he doesn't know that Rey and Kylo are a dyad in the Force. <laughs> And he can't manipulate that like he manipulated the Anakin and Padme relationship. Like, like he manipulated. Uh, he's really lost his touch. <laughs> he really has. <laughs> I guess it's because he's like broken. But, you yeah. know, he was able to put a lot of energy into a lot of Snokes. But he doesn't know that Kylo loves Rey. Or I guess he does know that. He doesn't know that he left her alive, like hasn't killed her yet. Although, wait. At this point, does Palpatine want Kylo to bring Rey alive or dead? See, I don't remember. I don't keep track. Alive. Okay. For alive. now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the the dyad is is really is is a really interesting concept. Oh wait, maybe it's dead. <laughs> I don't really know, Caitlin. It's it's a little confusing. I know. Because in the next quote, when you see I have a written here, when Kylo is in when Palpatine is in Kylo's head, which I think is actually a good scene because it like kind of shows that Palpatine is kind of spying on him. Um, Palpatine says, 
The scavenger still lives. Perhaps you have betrayed me. Do not make me turn my fleet against you. And I'm like, wait, what? The scavenger still lives? Maybe he knows that he kind of just like was chatting with Ray rather than <laughs> doing any sort of actionable deed to bring her to Exegol. I know, but then it's like, well, I guess his fleet can't get out of Exegol except that one ship did to blow up Kajimi. You know, I just... It's very confusing, it's man. Confusing, and like it just and and it's just it's so sad too because Kylo spent his whole life having these voices in his head, and then he just gets another one, and it's not, it's it's not dealt with at all. Right. I do like the conversation after Ray and Finn are on the ship after this happened, where Ray is visibly just like distraught you know he killed my parents and i'm going to destroy the emperor i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna kill palpatine Mm -hmm. and finn's like that doesn't sound like you and ray cuts him off and is like everyone thinks they know me but no one does i i i'm afraid no one does and obviously this is you know in the trailer it's but i do um from ben but it's okay i'm (laughs) i've moved on from from that i i really have not but it's okay in this in this moment i do like this whole like no one knows me, not even you, Finn. You don't know where I come from. Kylo doesn't know anything about me. No one knows anything about me. I like this. This is another one of those moments where I'm like, yes, tap into the darkness. Um, I li- I would like to see it, you know? <laughs> and um, But I, again, it's not really resolved, is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no there's no further conversation with Ray and Finn um, about this. It's just like, oh, okay. The, there's a, a a long, long shot of Finn's face afterwards. And it's like, Finn's really thinking about what he said before and what he did wrong. And it's like, he didn't really do anything wrong. Poor Finn. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, and I think that he just doesn't, he doesn't know. And it's not his fault. <laughs> but it's not... It's not. It's not. We're, resolved, just, we're walking so. in so many circles. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. This. This is a. This is a hard scene. I. The first time in the theater, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, it's still. It's. It's on. It's like you said earlier. It's insulting and it's hurtful that this is where her right. character ended. Because if you were going to do this, you should have done it in the beginning. And we could have worked through all of that darkness and shadow and coming to terms with it. And it could have been a really good story. And uh, yeah, I'll never understand how that decision got made and approved, honestly. The story group had to not be involved. Okay, so Kef Beer. <laughs> we have found our way. <laughs> Kef Beer. We have found our way to the Death Star. And, you know, thank God we have a map. <laughs> Thank God the dagger just reveals itself. If you stand at this one angle and pull out the little thingy, it kind of matches up. Does it though? Does it match up? The the thing that really bothers me here is that I'm just like, I don't see what she's seeing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even see what she's seeing. (laughs) Okay, so this is obviously a Raiders of the Lost callback with the staff of Ra, right? Where it has to be at a certain (laughs) height in order to see where it's buried. What's so funny is that the show Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse did it better. They did it better. But <laughs> they the, did thing it better. Is, the thing is, is that with that, you see clearly the sunbeam shining onto the specific place where it is. With with this, it's like, what am I looking at? Because the edges <laughs> don't necessarily 100% match up to the ruins, which like makes sense because when was this jag- dagger even made? But like, I'm still confused about 
where Ray thinks she's going. Is it the little red part at the bottom of the of the dagger that she pulls out? Is that the little like X marks the spot? I, yeah, I think that's the X marks the spot situation. I, but even still, you know, things are constantly moving. Like this is a wild ocean, a tumultuous <laughs> sea. And yet <laughs> And yet it everything just remains the same. It's a shipwreck. Like things move. Things are constantly listen, moving. Listen, my whole profession is built on documenting buildings as they change through time. Like things things change. Move around. Yeah. Things change. Again, this is like, okay, well, when was this dagger bill? Like yeah. <laughs> how long had Death Star been sitting there? That's like that I keep thinking about like the Titanic, you know? Like the Titanic changed cha- has changed a lot since oh, it yeah. first crash landed. And People, James Cameron just went back down there and he was like, oh, this looks different. Yeah, he's like, wow, the bathtub's gone. The bathtub's gone. <laughs> it's true, though. But the death, and, the, and then what's worse, too, is like, oh, I'm not seeing what she's seeing. And then also she, like, just knows where to go immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that is a big that is I a can, big place. I can believe that. I can believe that she has a feeling of where she needs to go. Um, that's that's how Star Wars works. But then I, why did she need the map? What's just interesting is that there's like you know so much John Williams swell of a music about like oh wow here's the location wow and I'm just like <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking at and when your audience <laughs> doesn't know what they're looking at I think you have a problem. The thing about this whole map situation, <coughs> sorry. The thing about this whole map situation is that you immediately know that it's stupid when you're watching it. Like, it's not one of those situations where, you know, a lot of this, it's been like, the more I think about it, the more I know what I know from canon, that's when the movie starts to break apart for me in a lot of cases. Like the like the R2 being, being having the missing piece at the end of yeah, The Fourth exactly. That doesn't, the movie, it doesn't really matter, the you know? Does, yeah, you're like, oh, oh, like, yay, R2 is back. And then later on, you're like, oh, that was kind of silly. But it's like, okay. <laughs> This, yeah. though, the first time you watch it, I think anyone who's not even involved in Star Wars, who's just like a general fan, sees this and is like, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like, that's a sinking Death Star. <laughs> but sure. <laughs> all right. If you put it, it on land, maybe. But when you yeah, put it in an put ocean. It on land. Different story. Yeah. We talked a lot about Jana before, but I really love her costume. Her, yeah, costume her costume is, is so great. cool. And I like her friends and I like the Orbox and I can't her wait to friends? see. Her friends? What do they look like? Because we didn't really see them. <laughs> you know what? You're right. But I have to say that I am looking forward to the deleted scene of definitely Finn and Jana and Poe riding horses because clearly that was a deleted scene because there's that whole line of like, not bad for one lesson. It's like, where's the lesson? What? Where's the lesson? It reminds <laughs> me of The Last Jedi where it's like – I was just about to say it's the same lesson. lesson. And, then, and then Rebels too where it's like the final lesson. Stop saying lesson, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. I think that I really like Jana's character. I like what she represents for Finn. Um, but the same complaints that I said like an hour ago are still true. Yeah, I agree. And it's frustrating too because we don't ever – we don't see the the other people, the like whole battalion. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. One of my favorite moments, though, I really like when Ray takes the skimmer and steals the boat, and then goes for it and has her whole like the perfect storm Moby Dick moment. I think it's perfect. She's chasing mm-hmm. her white whale, something that she can't can't find, can't get to. 
And I really like how surprised Finn and Poe are about that and how they're like upset about it. I think maybe something I love the most in stories is when heroines take off on their own. I it's to me, this was a moment of like, finally, (laughs) do what you need to do. And when something becomes a personal journey, I appreciate it so much more. And I really think that the visual symbolism of her you know, traversing this ocean and going against the waves with such determination, such like fierce anger as well to get to her place. I think it was a really good character moment for Ray. Um, and I really like the visuals, especially. I think it's cra- like it's perfect, let's be honest. The whole the waves crashing and everything. It's- so I think that I just think that ILM and the people who, you know, did the visual effects for this scene, I think the water looks so good. Mm-hmm. And I I just really love the way that this is. I like the way that the camera is like, oh, she took a skimmer and then like it zoomed straight in on her. And she's just <laughs> like, ah, like going for it. I, I think it's great. And I really like I, I really love the shot even of the skimmer going through the cavern. Um, there's something really mythic about it all. I think of her like going into this cave um, and, you know, this this dark part, it was, you know, ridden with such history. And then she's getting back to her roots of scavenging and um, climbing things. But and it's, it's in this, like, fierce anger way that I don't think we've ever seen. But at the same time, when she reaches the top after climbing, she has this, like, smile that she's, like, happy to be, you know, actively doing something almost. Yeah. And I... I don't I don't know. I, I maybe this is a moment also of spending a lot of time with the character and like no no n- it was a quiet moment, no chatting, no talking and it was clear that Ray has to get from point A to point B and it's because of her want and her desire. Yeah, yeah, I I really like the I, this whole scene I think is really heavy too of her leaving is a really important moment. Finn finding connection with Jana is a really important moment. And then this argument that Finn and Poe have too where they're talking about Ray leaving and they say like Poe says I'm no I'm no General Leia and Finn says damn straight you're not and I'm like, "Ooh, ouch." <laughs> uh we don't ever talk about it again, but it was a really heavy moment and I liked seeing th- – this is kind of similar to Ray and Kylo's conversation earlier where they're kind of throwing each other's weaknesses at them and this kind of parallels, I think, to that because Finn knows that that will really hurt Poe, what he's saying. But we haven't even talked about this really in this episode, but this this scene too is just kind of a culmination as well of how Finn's story does revolve around Ray and this movie – Pretty much completely, <laughs> mm-hmm. except except for these like brief moments that he has with Jana. Um, it really is all about Ray. And I tallied in one of our viewings that he said Ray's name 23, 24 times, which I think it was 28. I don't think it was that high. Okay, good. I think I think it was 23 because I wanted I think I wanted to say it was like exactly two dozen, but it was one under. Anyway, it was in the up it was in the twenties, which whether it's 23 or 28 it's it's a lot and it this this again is just so much a part of the larger discussion that these characters are not acting like where we left them at the end of the last jedi they're acting like where we left them at the end of the force awakens and 
as if this is their darker middle chapter. And I think you could definitely read it like that if you wanted to, but then this is the ending chapter. So it doesn't make sense. So like these conversations that Finn and Poe are having about leadership and being a general and stuff, like that's all great, but we already did that in The Last Jedi. And furthermore, it doesn't come to any kind of conclusion in The Rise of Skywalker either. And even Rey finding out that she's a Palpatine, if this had been her darker middle chapter, like, okay, but she's not really working through that she's a Palpatine in this film, and she doesn't have another chapter to do it. And it just, I, you know, I feel like I'm kind of saying the same thing over and over again on some of these points, but it's just, I think it's it's really hard looking at this film and understanding why certain choices were made. And maybe we'll get some more of that in the future, but I'm not... I don't have a lot of confidence right now, unfortunately. But that being said, I I like the, – the setting of Kefbeer I think is really great. Like with the ocean, like you said, it looks incredible. Like the work the, – the VFX, the special effects on it are, you know, some of the best I've ever seen. And it is great seeing Ray just kind of go off on her own and – you know, I think she, I think Daisy had said, and in, in, someone had said in a quote somewhere before the movie came out about Ray kind of feeling isolated from the group. And I think this is kind of the perfect representation of that, where she does just go straight on her own to the throne room, feels where it is. And then she, the second time I watched this, I tried to see if I could see like a storage room on the other side of the throne room, as if like that's where the throne room was or where the, the store, the, yeah, the vision took place. But I guess it's like an imaginary. Yeah, it's room. not real. <laughs> but I tried to see if it was actually like built into the Death Star. Um, yeah, I the Dark Side Cave is whatever. Honestly, it it happens so fast that and it's such a it's like even the way she falls out of it is very similar to Luke and Empire Strikes Back. That I kind of rolled my eyes at it, and now now we're in like our third cave. <laughs> I really wish that they didn't show this to us in, a, yeah. in anything. There's so yeah. many things in this movie that I'm just like, why did you show us that? Mm-hmm. Because it would have been a much better reveal um, in in the movie. And I think that since Dark Ray was so short, and I really like the moment where she turns to her and they're in that lightsaber battle. I think that is is perfect. But I, like I said at the top, I don't necessarily like the idea of dark ray being scary in this like scary movie sense with like a jump scare to me it cheapens the idea of the dark side which is supposed to be alluring and attractive um, and attractive and, and, and everything honest too about who you are totally and i think that on some level that happened but i think the jump scare and the teeth are maybe misplaced mm-hmm. and i think that there could have been more here than um what we saw but i do kind of like the idea of like you can also kind of reinterpret this and maybe maybe this was what they were kind of going for that like I'm kind of thinking about now so she grabs the wayfinder right Mm -hmm. and then she has the vision and I wonder if the wayfinder itself since the sith wayfinder kind of activated this vision is it a sith wayfinder it's a sith wayfinder yes okay and I think that I wonder if after kylo touched the sith wayfinder before if he had a similar vision and that was what the oracle was Mm. Of like the, and then you would, could have had like these both like this dualism of truth telling. I think that would have been really cool, and I think that that's what happens in the scene. And I think that I can kind of get to a place where I can understand that. Um, that when you touch an object, it would kind of 
deliver a vision in the same way that like touching the the lightsaber would deliver like kind of this skywalker wide you know journey that is is in the force back in the force awakens you know yeah um i just i think that i personally if i were writing the rise of skywalker i just i think i would have done this vision a little differently but it's not going to be like a copy of the mirror cave which is like the coolest vision in all of star wars in my opinion yeah, i but it, we already had that that was her I, going to i the know I know. In which case, I don't think I would have had it as presented in this like cave vision esque type of way. I think I would have had yeah. it as like coming out of the wayfinder or something. Yeah, I just I wouldn't have had in the it way at that all. like I guess that would kind of function similarly to a holocron at that point. But it's not which a maybe holocron. that's where it's it's not a holocron. It's, it's not a holocron. <laughs> but like in 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 that sense, I wonder if that's kind of the place that it started from. You know what I mean? And then when when the Wayfinder is kind of like tumbling out and then Kylo grabs it at the end, yeah. I I really like this because I like the way that she's like, you know, and she, mm-hmm. she stands up and is so surprised and kind of taken off guard. And um, this scene, I think, was we were so excited by it because of the the way that it is staged. And I do think it, it is staged beautifully. And I really mm-hmm. like the set pieces here. I yeah. um, I saw Phil Skozak post a. Uh, photo from when he visited the the set and I think that would have been incredible to see and I think that there are the yin and yang implications here with the set it's there it is for sure there but um and I really like the conversation here that is happening um but I I stop here to mention that if you're a longtime listener of Sky Talkers it has been hotly debated about what the 77 minutes would be in the Rise of Skywalker 77 minutes big things happened at 77 minutes in Star Wars um, and in the Rise of Skywalker it is the scene and it is the scene <laughs> of the one that we saw from the story lives forever um, yeah. from the trailer yeah. Yeah, this was I I do like how Kylo just like appears there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just grabs the wayfinder and is like, "Okay." She, when when she's like, "Give it to me." And he's like, <gasps> "I I really love it." She's like, "Give it." And, and like, I think it's, look at it's yourself. Like a, it's like kind of a sultry whisper too, which that's how I interpret it, it but I it's think it's so feral how she says it. Again, I I just it really is. I can't get over how angry she is in this film, but she like still doesn't talk about her dark side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very surface level. It's, it's so not internal. Level. It's ex- it's external. Yeah, it is. I one of one of my favorite slash least favorite lines from Kylo is is in this scene when he says, "You wanted to prove to my mother that you were a Jedi, but you've proven something else. You can't go back to her now, just like I can't." This is such a heartbreaking. It's to it now, not to, her. Oh, to it now. You can't go back to it now, like I can't. And it's such a heartbreaking line because you know he's he, like again what you said earlier. So much of what Kylo says to Ray, he's actually saying about himself too. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the perfect example of that. But I don't think I don't know how to separate this line from the fact that Leia chose to train Ray but not Ben, knowing what she knows about both of their lineages. It just it doesn't it it makes me really uncomfortable, <laughs> honestly. I understand that, and yeah, I know that I and again I know that so much of this is because of the the challenges with how they what they decided to do with Leia, but this wouldn't have been an issue if she wasn't a Palpatine, and they definitely didn't have to make her a Palpatine. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what I have to say about that. 
I just think it's so interesting, this line, though. You wanted to prove to my mother that you were a Jedi, but you've proven something else. Like, that's exactly what Ben wanted to do. And Ben wanted to be a pilot. He wanted to be a pilot, but he also, in the if you wanted to go by the Kylo Ren comic that's happening right now, mm. he did want to be a Jedi. He idolized his uncle, and he wanted to prove to his family that he could be just as good as them. Yeah. It's just, it, it's really sad. It's And he's, he's, he's thrown out. He, if we can believe that the temple wasn't his doing, the burning of it, because that's what the, the comic says, mm-hmm. he feels like he no one will believe him because no one does in that comic all his his friends that find him they're like you burn the how temple, can you, yeah. you you burn the temple like uh what you say about luke isn't true master luke would never do that you're you're wrong and kylo's like no i'm that's what happened and no one believes him mm-hmm. so you know he he thinks he's thrown out so and that's what he that's when he says you know he can't go back to his your your mother i think he thinks that too he internalizes that yeah, I, I think he 100% does. It's just, yeah, it, it's a really sad line. I like the line of the only way you're getting to Exegol is with me and then him crushing it. <laughs> 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 it's, it is, it's just it's funny. great. It's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's just great. It's very funny. I, um, it's no secret. I love Kylo Ren and I, I like all these parts. And I, I think that from here on out, when Ray ignites her lightsaber and Ben does not. Yeah. Um, it's interesting where it's like, I, I really do think that Kylo doesn't want to fight her. I think that everything from this point on is because she is kind of stoking the flame. And I I, I like the way that he's kind of like navigating, like the <laughs> dodging, I, dodging yeah. and kind of moving and all the prequel jumps the jumping down the the holes i he's love gone. it I, I really do this is one of those things that i'm like this is so star wars to me this is so prequels where you know your powerful force user can jump wherever they want to go and like it's all good <laughs> a hip hop a hip hop <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I, I i don't know i like that it's like and down the hole we go i think it's funny because they they go down but then suddenly they're on top of the death star <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm just not. There's some pieces I'm in not the middle that we missed. <laughs> yeah, th- y- yes, you're so right about that. There's definitely more. <laughs> okay, the Death Star fight overall, I have not been able to work out my feelings of it. I, I think I like it. I do like it, but then there are things about it that I don't like. It's a really confusing. Like, my emotions toward this whole sequence are very conflicting, and it it exhausts me mentally, honestly, <laughs> because on mm-hmm. one hand, I'll think about it and be like, yeah, no, love it. And then I'll think of something else and be like, ugh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> well, I've heard some of our, our friends say that the sequence is boring, and I, I don't think, think I don't think it's boring. I don't think it's boring because I could watch them fight all day, and any scene with Ray and Kylo is my favorite, but I, I feel like it's supposed to be exhausting for the audience to f- see them fight once again. I think that at this point you're supposed to be like, can you just stop fighting? <laughs> you know, I think that you're really supposed to stop and think about like, why are they fighting each other? What do they have against each other? And what is happening here? Because I think Ray doesn't necessarily want to fight him. I don't think Kylo wants to fight her. And they're just kind of showing each other their moves like to the point where Kylo is wait Kylo is waiting for Ray to kind of recover. <laughs> I know. You know, they 
there are there are times where it's like what is even happening here because this isn't this isn't your your prequel fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan this isn't the match of the century this is two people who have a shared history who are for all intents and purposes in love and they are struggling to deal with their feelings and emotions about their legacy and everything that has come before what they know about each other and what they don't know about each other and i think that they're so exhausted by this fact that they have to fight once again because they can't come to an understanding because they can't come to an understanding and so much so to the point where it ends where leia which i we can get into in a second Leia has to reach out to her son because this is it. This is the only moment. Like, we've pushed this to the brink. These two people have to stop fighting. And Leia realizes that, that, like, at this moment, the only time to reach her son is now. And when Rey, I think Rey kind of gives into her the anger and the darkness within her in that moment when she kills Kylo. And to be honest, I think that she immediately regrets it. But I think that it's almost to the point of, like, wow, I never thought that it would actually get that far. I never thought we'd be at this moment. I thought that we were kind of sparring. I didn't, I never thought that it would end this way, you know? I know like, I see that, but she, she like takes his lightsaber, ignites it, and then kills him. I know. I, I agree with you. I just think that it really is her kind of diving deep into those frustrations, those, those feelings of the dark side of, of really leaning into the anger and the frustration. I think I think it is, but this goes back to the like, what is she angry and frustrated about? She like I guess Palpatine, but she's not. That's not ever verbalized, you know. Yeah. And this this is not like I I understand what you're saying, and like I think that's what we're supposed to take away from this scene. But the setup leading up to it is not done well, so that things like this I think don't land as well. I the beginning part of this scene where they are fighting, I I really liked that like the exhausting component of it, and that like they are equals. One is not going to best the other because they don't actually want to, but then she does. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've seen some people too talk about how like Leia, how they interpret it, how as Leia is serving as a distraction for Kylo, so that Rey can kill him as part of his redemption, or maybe just kill no. him. And no. I just I really don't like that interpretation. Um, personally, because for me, it doesn't sit well with how I view Leia. And I also just, I think there's like too long of a pause between like if Ray had been mid swing or even like I was trying to reimagine this scene earlier. And like if in the moment when Kylo feels Leia die, if he like falls forward on Ray's saber, but like she wasn't actually intending to kill him. But he mm-hmm. falls forward on her saber, and then it's like, a, oh my god, like what just happened? And they like you would have had them like really close together too, and it would be this dual moment of them both feeling Leia die, but then also knowing what just happened to Kylo is that he's just been impaled too with with Ray's lightsaber, but it wasn't actually her doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't know, I I don't know how I feel about Ray doing it. Honestly, of of being that 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 stab to him, that's what I'm not sure how I feel about. Um, I understand the like symbolism of it being his saber, of it like we kill Kylo Ren so Ben Solo can be reborn, and like her healing him, and I'm all for that. It's just it's the moment where she kills him where I I don't think. I don't think that works for me because she's had every opportunity to do that before and she actively chose not to. And we've had this whole battle of them 
just like wearing each other down because they can't beat each other. And then she takes this like pause, like a really lengthy moment and then kills him. Yeah. The way that I interpret it is I think that it's it's just interesting because I think that the scar that she gives him in The Force Awakens, I think if the earth didn't shatter right then, I think that she would have killed him in that moment. I think the the Force Awakens novelization implies that too. And I think you can even kind of see it in her eyes when she's standing above him. Yeah, definitely. Um, in The Force Awakens. And I think the Force is like, no, like we have to pull you apart. Um, and I... I think in that moment when she kind of slices his face, you can interpret that as the Campbellian wound of love, right? The only the wound that has to be healed by some, the per, same person that gave it to him. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens here when she heals him. And I think this is just another form of the wound of love where it's just a greater wound. It's a greater sin because it is the metaphorical killing of Kylo. And whether or not you understand like why she did it in what moment she did i think that you can honestly just chalk it up to the dark side and her anger getting the best of her and what i do wish we got was ray being like i'm sorry it's the same kind of way that i feel about i wish that she apologized to the fish nuns on oh my god I mean, don't you? Like, the fact that she, like, looks over, it's not like she's like, sorry. I, I feel that every time I watch it, I'm like, could she have not just said sorry? <laughs> I feel like in this moment, some more, you know, I'm so sorry sort of would have been good, you know. Um, but I think the line of, I think, uh, that said, I think Adam and Daisy's performances totally sell it for me, where... Adam looks genuinely surprised and shocked of what just happened and overwhelmed by hearing his mother's voice. And um, it's the act of healing, I think, is one of Ray's greatest acts of love, I think, for for Ben in that moment. I think that she understands what she did is wrong, but also healing him almost completely, including the scar on his face. It is really restoring Ben and um, the shock that I think that you see on his face is genuine i think that he's like oh my god what what is happening here yeah you know almost especially to the point where she says which i think is maybe the best line in the movie i did want to take your hand ben's hand which is a confession of love you know i i wanted to go with you i wanted to be with you and but your own darkness and everything that you stood for kind of got in the way. And now that can be gone. The only way that you're going to spend any time with me is if you relinquish that, if you let that go. And what she has given him is this greatest gift of killing that, you know, beast, that dragon inside. And obviously he has to deal with that even further. There's there's things to be done. And I think he deals with that internally with the manifestation of Han in the next scene. But I, I, I keep coming back to this because I do think it is – the way that I interpret it, and I think that maybe that's why it's a little confusing for some people, but I think that this is the only way that the Rayla relationship and the the fight could have ended. If they were going to fight, it was going to be on this term of they've pushed each other almost too far. And the only way that it can end is if someone dies and then the other person has to figure out a way to make it better. And, and that compassion can be passed on and they can show that they still care about each other despite the fact that they're the, the lightsabers of it all right it's like Chekhov's gun it, it's they're there it's the violence of them being on opposite sides of the war that has to be resolved somehow and I think that 
this is one of those scenes that I think is really, I think has like a lot of thought went into this scene. I think that most things with Kylo Ren, a lot of thought went into it and um, it pays off in my opinion. Yeah. I, her killing him still doesn't sit right with me. Um, right. To be honest, I, everything else surrounding it, like you said, I'm, I'm a hundred percent for, and like, you're right. Like it had to come to some conclusion, but I think it could have worked another way where it wasn't, like I said, like if he had fallen on her saber or uh, something like that, where it wasn't her actively killing him. I think you're right. Obviously in The Force Awakens, she would have killed him. Um, and The Force yeah. was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me put a pin in that for now. <laughs> um, but I, because I, I think with the sequencing with Leia, I don't think it does a good job of being clear about if Rey feels regret because Leia has just died, because she just killed Kylo, because of her own past like I don't think and I suppose it could be all of that but they're all happening at the same time when this is like Ben's moment too but it's also Leia's death so both are equally like it's it's very emotionally heavy and I I don't think that that moment of her killing him uh is clear oh yeah absolutely I think that the the Leia stuff is like I actually don't know what specifically is happening yeah there. and so and and i don't know if, and and like i said i i don't think i like the idea of ray killing kylo i think it would have worked better if it was an accident and then it, and then like then it was that moment of oh my god like i love you you can't die <laughs> um uh-huh. and then like coupled with that confession it's like meaningful too so yeah, because <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not sure where her feelings are exactly because Leia is there too, and I think that's what throws me off with it. I think that's a that's fair, and I agree with that. I that's why I kind of wish she said I'm sorry, but the line about Ben's hand is enough to tell me where her feelings lie. Well, then you she's know? not caring about Leia. Yeah, and it's just confusing. I think that also the way that this scene is kind of set up is we talked about this a long time ago, but there definitely is some sort of baptismal rebirth aspects to the fact that they're soaking wet and they're in water and it's like broad daylight. Mm -hmm. Um, Should I read this quote from Joseph Campbell? So in The Hero of a Thousand Faces, this is what Joseph Campbell says about the rite of baptism. The rite of baptism is a variant of the sacred marriage, which is the source moment that generates and regenerates the world and man. To enter into this font is to plunge into the mythological realm, to break the surface and to cross the threshold into the night sea. Symbolically, the infant makes his journey when the water is poured onto its head. Its guide and helpers are the priests and godparents. Its goal is a visit with the parents of the eternal self, the spirit of God and the womb of grace. Then it is returned to the parents of the physical body. The popular interpretation of baptism is that it washes away original sin, with the emphasis rather on the cleansing than on the rebirth idea. Um, I think this is a mixture of the Mm. two with the death of Kylo Ren and the rebirth of Ben Solo. And I think something that really stood out to me in this Campbell quote is the visit of the parents and what the parents have to do with uh, the rebirth aspect and like return to parents. Um, I think that spiritually happens with Kylo Ren mm-hmm. here with Ben Solo. And not only is he like given a vision of, you know, his mother saying his name, but then only later does he conjure up the image of his father in his own memory. And I think that it to me this couldn't be clear as like a Campbellian understanding of the hero's journey. And also uh mythologically, I think it really does 
some powerful things. Yeah, I agree. The, the water is, is very symbolic of the baptism and the fact that this is where we get Ben Solo back is, of course, very meaningful. Um, so moving into that scene, mm-hmm. so Ben standing on the edge of, of the Death Star, well, first Ray leaves. <laughs> And she, <laughs> she pops on into the, his TIE fighter and has that moment of like, holy shit, what just happened? Yeah. And then, then she's she's Audi 500. Yeah, she and, is. And everyone just watches her go. Yeah, yeah, Finn is like, we didn't even talk about the fact that she like force pushes oh, Finn yeah. away, which is aggressive. And I think that kind of talks to the moment about like how she's really kind of tempted by the dark side and the anger yeah. here. Um but it is so funny that she flies away and Poe and Finn and Jana are kind of like, okay. <laughs> okay, so Ben is standing on the edge of the Death Star and this this is a good scene. This is a good scene. Uh, when he reimagines, the, when he brings up this memory of Han and, and you already said it, but it is great how Kylo's or Ben says, you know, you're just a memory and Han says, I'm your memory. And it is this repetition of their conversation in The Force Awakens. And we we always talk about how great that scene is in The Force Awakens because in the moment you could believe that Kylo could make a different choice and you want him to, but you know that that's not the story that's being told. And here's the moment when he gets to make the different choice and he gets to like have that moment with his father where things could have gone differently. And I think it is really beautiful. Um, it makes me sad because I know that we could have had a moment like that with Leia too, and unfortunately we didn't. And then they chose not to do that with Luke either, which I which I think is a mistake. But I think that I think that having Han even as a memory, it was surprising for me, and it worked a lot better than I think I would have thought it did. Because people talked a lot about there being a Han scene or a Han flashback, and. I was always I was never in the camp of like yes we need that but I think that this scene worked worked really well and I thought it was really emotional and really moving and um I like seeing him throw the lightsaber but I also wish he kept the lightsaber so that's I wish he healed the crystal Yeah that would have been cool to see I I still think it's powerful that he throws it but I'm like you might need that later <laughs> forward thinking here but that that's okay you've been through a lot um and then you know then we get then we get ben in the good boy sweater which is great but i the one thing that is kind of like when han says that what leia stood for remains is like in ray and the resistance and this is where i'm like well kylo doesn't like does kylo really care about the resistance like what is his end game here now is it to save ray is it to stop palpatine to stop the first order, to stop the final order. I'm not really sure because we don't see him again <laughs> until the end. But I mm-hmm. I think this scene, overall, I really love this scene. I think I, I give this scene a hard time later on in like my own opinions because Kylo has so little dialogue and half of it is a repetition of what he's already said before in previous films. <laughs> and this is an example of that. But... I mean, I was really glad to see Han, honestly, and, and I don't think I would have ever thought that. Oh, I think it's so beautiful. Yeah. And even today I saw on Twitter that someone posted a clip from it, and it's like when when Han puts his hand on mm-hmm. Ben's face, 
Ben kind of like leans in even to kind of feel that. And it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I, the fact that we got him to say dad too is just yeah, so good. It's sad. It's just so I'm good. Sad. We've been blessed. I know it. And I think that I, this is when I like lost yeah, it in the did. movie theater. Um, because it, it was happening, you know, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I, I just, I find the whole dad I know thing perfect and it could have been cheesy, yeah. but it, to mm-hmm. me it wasn't. And I, I really like this idea that as sad as it is that no one has appeared to Kylo Ren, to Ben Solo, I, I do think that this idea of like internalized redemption is something that was necessary. You know, there's all these talks about like, you know, you know in the whole redemption conversation, it was always like, well, Ray can't redeem Ben, mm-hmm. right? But she was always going to be a part yeah. of that, right? It's, she was always going to be some sort of catalyst to Kylo Ren returning to Ben Solo, of course. But of course it has to be from within. And in this moment, you finally get Ben forgiving himself. And no one else has to forgive him. But forgiving himself for the dark deed that he did that one that day on Starkiller mm-hmm. Base. And I, I really think it's beautiful because I think it worked for the audience too. At least, um, I think it's it, it's like, well, you know, Han loves his son, and Han wouldn't want his son to be eternally damned, eternally miserable. Um, I'm with you. I wish he healed the crystal. I think this is a lost opportunity. I think I've seen some people online too make some comics. A comic that I saw the other day was uh, throwing the crystal, throwing the the lightsaber, and then like Han's ghost being like, uh, "What the heck? Why'd you throw your lightsaber away? Now you have no weapon, <laughs> your ship, and no weapon." <laughs> and Ben being. God, why did I do that? <laughs> I think it's I think it's good because I think that that weapon was so you know it's so gnarly and twisted and all these things, but I would have liked to see it restored. Yeah, um, it, just given the fact that we have the, all that new canon material about how crystals can be healed. Yeah, like, huh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a really good scene. I I can't actually really find any fault in it i really enjoy it you're right it had the opportunity to be super cheesy and i don't think it was cheesy at all and i i definitely would have i would have put money that a scene like that would have been cheesy if someone had told it to me before i saw the movie you know Mm -hmm. but it it wasn't yeah okay so then leia or uh finn and poe get back to the resistance base and chewy too and we find out that leia has died or they find out that Leia has died. It, this was this was a really hard scene, actually. Like when they're when the, I forget who, but they're trying to talk to Poe, and he's like, "No, no, no, I can't right now. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go talk to the general." And then it's like, it is it's yeah, Daisy, it is Daisy who's like she's gone. She's yeah. gone. It's it was it was really emotional. It was really effective. I thought that scene was effective, and of course, seeing Chewie react to Leia's death is that's hard. Yeah, so emotional. It's it. I think I share mm-hmm. of every time. Yeah. And then we have – this is probably one of my favorite scenes too in the film is Poe contemplating leadership with Lando. And I think we touched on it a couple hours ago. <laughs> but I I really like this scene. This wasn't something – similar to like the Han scene, this could have been really cheesy I think. And I don't think it came off that way at all. I think Billy D. Williams does a really great job as Lando in this scene of like who's ever ready and – um, we had each other, and that's how we won. And you know, like teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> uh, but the fact that they're like with Leia too, I think, is really emotional. And I, I think it, I think it's a really good scene. Agreed. I, I really like it. I like this contemplation of leadership and his place in all of this. I think that is mm-hmm. 
it, it really goes to the theme of the sequel trilogy. I like it. And I, I like we said before, I like Lando's little speech too about it. And um, I think this goes to a line and we'll probably talk about this, but as I don't, I don't think that I was that impacted by the space battle in Exegol. Some things got me. One, one of the times I saw the rise of Skywalker, I started to cry when Lando says there are more of us. But to be honest, I think it was more of how, how bombastic and amazing the John Williams score was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but regardless, I, I really like the idea that how you're, how are you going to defeat the evil in the people? Like, I think that it's pride who says, where are they getting this armada? Where are they getting this Navy? And one of the officers says, it's people. It's just mm-hmm. people. Yeah. That's, and I love I that think line. It's, it's so good. It's so Star Wars. And um, I think that is perfect. Yeah. I, I really do too. Yeah. Okay. okay. So then we move on to Palpatine's plan and we got a scene with pride and Palpatine is talking to Pride. Um, I like Pride. We didn't really talk about this as much, but I don't understand why Pride couldn't have been Hux. Yeah. I, I don't even know why we needed to have a resistance spy. I think Pride could have been Hux entirely. Um, but whatever. That's not what we got. And I like I like Pride, so it's fine. Um, the I think it's really interesting because this line that Palpatine says, he says, the princess of Alderaan has altered the plan, but her foolish act will not be in vain. Oh, will be in vain. And I think it is interesting because how does he know that Kylo got a message essentially from Leia? And or like, what is he referring to? You know, do you even know? No, no. (laughs) And I think that it's really interesting, the idea that maybe Ben like shut, Maybe once Kylo Ren ceased to exist, like the voices stopped, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense now, does it? You know, because Ben has been hearing the voices his entire life. Um, but maybe that was part of Leia's act to like shield the voices. I don't know. I'm extrapolating here. But <laughs> I I think that it's an interesting thing to watch and maybe we'll see that in expansive material somehow and we'll see it in the novelization for sure. So next thing, we get Ray on Octo, which is definitely a scene I did not expect at all. I don't mm-hmm. know about you. Yeah, no, not but, at all. And it, when I was writing these notes, I had this revelation about this part that maybe is obvious to others. But if it's not, here it is. <laughs> I think it's really interesting how after almost killing Ben, she maroons herself on Octo. And that's exactly what Luke did mm-hmm. after almost killing Ben. It's good. It's it's a good parallel. Like you said, I was really surprised that we went to Octo. I was not expecting it at all. I guess like we all still have maps to Octo now. But I thought it it I thought I really liked what it represented. And like you said, this this realization that she killed Ben, she killed Kylo. And it it is interesting because I guess like that's when she felt the most hopeless. Like there was nothing left. But she he, like she healed Kylo. Ben. Mm-hmm. So she I th- I don't think she knows that he's Ben yet at this point because she's surprised at the end. So maybe like she knows that he's not dead. Yeah. So I guess I she's coming she's- coming here because of like her lineage and feeling like there's no like she killed him and even though she healed him, let's just say she won't do it again. Yeah. I think that she's just kind of astounded by her own power. Yeah. Feels like uh, everything is out of control. And the only way that she could have sort of control is by separating herself from the entire galaxy. Yeah. 
And I think that that in itself is sort of relatable mm-hmm. in for a lot of people. And I think that's a very introspective understanding of a character. I think that there's a lot of talk about how, um, you know, when Luke, you know, grabs at Ghost Luke grabs the the lightsaber, and he's like, "A Jedi's weapon deserves more respect." Mm-hmm. Um, that that could possibly be like a, um, a dig at Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. I don't know. I think that like perhaps it is, but it probably isn't because this is honestly part of Luke's journey is understanding that he was wrong at that point um, and having to pass on the failures. And at this point, he is passing on a failure. He's showing Ray that she shouldn't make the same mistake that he did by separating himself from the galaxy. So I do think that in a way, this is a finishing of Luke's story. However, this wig is just atrocious. And he's so blue. <laughs> He's so he's blue. So blue. He's, Why is he he's like so a chlorine pool? He's so blue. <laughs> he just I when people people posted side by sides of um Yoda in The Last Jedi versus Luke and the Rise of Skywalker and oh I keep thinking that this is, I keep saying this to you. I'm like, they're gonna change it in post. <laughs> like they're gonna change it for the, the DVD release. release. Yeah, they're gonna change it. I know they're gonna change it, but honestly, watch them not change it. <laughs> Just, I think even the the force goes at the end of the like even Ben in Empire Strikes Back he looks way better than the than Luke in the Rise of Skywalker it's it's so bad it's so bad yeah the, and the lightsaber moment too I think I just don't like Luke Skywalker talking about lightsabers you know I I didn't like that <laughs> you, know, you find a lot of fault in him <laughs> yeah I didn't like it in uh, the Last Jedi and I it's so hammy in the rise of skywalker in that moment i just i don't like it but you know again what see in the forest through the trees <laughs> um <laughs> the conversation that he has with ray is is uh confusing <laughs> i think yeah. the first time we watched it we were both like wait what 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 what, what did he say and uh his quote is when he's talking about Leia, uh, he says, it was the last night of her training. Leia told me that she had sensed the death of her son at the end of her Jedi path. She surrendered her saber to me and said that it would be picked up again by someone who would finish her journey. I don't, I don't know what this means. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I'm still, Leia told me that she had sensed the death of her son at the end of her Jedi path. Okay, that makes sense. Out of context, that makes sense. That perhaps at the end of her life... Yeah, is Jedi path she, life? Did she consider yeah. herself a Jedi? I didn't know that. I, I mean, I, so I, I didn't know that until this movie, but I think that we can assume so given this flashback, right? If she was training, so yeah. if at the end of her life, the death of this death of her son at the end of her life. Okay, but then the next sentence also doesn't really link back to the previous sentence. She surrendered her saber to me and said that would be picked up again by someone who would finish her journey. So she's done with training at this point, right? She abandoned. So does training. that? Does that mean that she's not a Jedi? That she's like stopped her Jedi path? But some, but someone would finish it to the death of her son. If this is just, this needed script doctoring so much because I just have no idea what's happening. Yeah. Because I, I think there's something really interesting happening here, and I need to know more. Like, is Leia totally, um, plagued by visions like her father was? Is Leia pregnant at this point? I thought she. I I think she is. Right? Why would she? Think or is is Ben alive? Like, <laughs> imagine her being plagued by these these visions of her son's death. I am well. We knew that she knew that Snoke was watching 
then. Yes. Like she when is a, she was pregnant. Yeah, she is aware. And that, you know, that line from Aftermath about, you know, he was a ball of light with a shot of dark through him or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So she was aware. It's just I think the whole thing is very confusing. Um, I just I don't understand. And I, I don't remember, but didn't she say that she wasn't trained as a Jedi in Bloodline? Like Yeah. But I guess that can be sort of retconned if she didn't finish her Jedi training. That's good. Like all that is kind of like <laughs> a little rough, but yeah. it's it, it can it can happen. And I think that it's I just to me I just don't understand what it means like the end of her life, her Jedi path, the her son's death. Someone and else the way that Luke up her saber too. The the way that Luke even says it, it's not like, you know, Leia was plagued by images of her son's death. So therefore, she surrendered herself and decided to not become a Jedi hoping to reverse that vision. Right? But why like, th- why doesn't why that make is, more sense? Why is Leia <laughs> being a Jedi mean that Ben has to die? I don't I just don't understand. To me, I'm like, did you really even think this line through? Like, does this make sense in your head? Can you say it aloud and tell me that it makes sense? Because I just don't understand what it means. Yeah. It, I don't I don't get it. And if either. again, it's one of those things where it's like, if I don't get it, your general audience is not gonna get it either. And it, he yeah. says it so fast, I it took me like three or four viewings to be like, Oh yeah, that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> I feel like I just keep saying that, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so then we have Luke passing or, or raising the X-Wing. Yeah. So this scene to me does really nothing on my emotions, even though I know that's like a sacrilege, because I've seen a lot of people, and I'm really happy for you if you had a lot of really good emotions about this. But I was really distracted by Yoda's theme playing, even though I know that it is playing because of the way that the X-Wing was raised in Empire Strikes Back. I get mm-hmm. it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. Yeah. Um, and I think that I can rationalize in my head that this is – it's really interesting because in The Last Jedi, the sunken X-Wing was a symbol of total futility and it really kind of showed total abandonment of any sort of future for Luke in, in, in regards to being part of the hero's fight. Mm-hmm. And I think that by uncovering that and giving it to Ray, I think that it definitely does undo that error. Yeah. And um, well, I think that works. You think it works that he raises it? Yeah, I do. I think it works. I just I to me, the 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 scene is played for major emotions and I just it was not working for me (laughs) like that on that level that was not working I think from a story level it's fine yeah I guess it's fine the thing is it's like he the last Jedi showed that he crashed it in the water as like Uh I I can't leave even if I want to I can't and I shouldn't but I guess he had the power all along to raise it um and I mean, not even to get into the canon material of like, well, he used the wings as doors. <laughs> yeah, know, how did exactly. those get back? But whatever. I I don't need that to be explained to me. Uh, but it is just one of those things. The thing about this whole scene, and I, I like Ray going to Octo, but I didn't need her to have this moment of closure with Luke. I felt like they had closure on their relationship when she witnesses his peace and purpose moment at the end of The Last Jedi. But mm-hmm. he specifically says, see you around, kid, to Ben. And then doesn't. And there's never anything of kind of full circle with that uh, relationship. And Luke and Ben are my favorite characters. And not having them have a moment to come to terms with everything that they've done to each other 
it's just really disappointing. And the fact that it was not replaced, but that instead we get this really bad CGI, really bad wig, really confusing conversation that makes no sense. Instead of that, it just, again, I'm like, this is one of those things where I'm like, what does this say about Luke's character? (laughs) Nothing, Mm -hmm. I suppose. And it doesn't say anything about his relationship with Ben either. Or really, I don't know. I I think it says that he's able to pass on his failure. To Ray. Ray doesn't need that, though. She needed that in that moment. She was going to maroon herself there forever. Okay, yes. But he, she he could have also and given it to Ben, though. He should have. Yeah, absolutely. He should have had the I think that maybe. Yes, I, I agree with that. And I can't argue with that. I think that not resolving the whole see you around kid thing is a tross sin. Um, it doesn't make sense. It makes that line in The Last Jedi seem kind of bizarre. <laughs> and now does he mean like in the afterlife? Because that's dark, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It and is. I. Maybe not. I feel like. Yeah, maybe not. I feel like it is – I do think that he was able to pass on the failure, though. I think that that is a key point in Luke's journey, and he did that here, even if you disagree with the execution. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I could have been okay with what we had of him, like, passing on that failure in The Last Jedi. I thought that yeah, he I did agree. that. So I agree that Ray needed – that on this scene but I guess it could have gone a lot of different ways and Mm -hmm. then the fact that we're not given like a parallel moment with Ben is also really frustrating totally but Luke Skywalker was in the movie everyone (laughs) he was he was was. chlorine blue and all (laughs) (laughs) okay so then we have Poe, Finn, and Rose, and like everyone kind of stepping up to the leadership of the resistance. And we get that pretty good rallying call from Poe and Finn in that speech. I, th- I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. And it, I like the way that it's sequenced and um, you see the ships and everyone kind of saying goodbye to each other and everything. Yeah, I, I always like those scenes where everyone's preparing to leave. It's very busy. Me too. Uh, you see a lot of people running around. They're, you know, they're good. Yeah, I agree. And I like the whole they win by thinking we're alone kind of uh, repetition here. I really like that line. I think it's a good um, continuation of things that were said in The Last Jedi. Um, And, uh, you know, good people will fight if we lead them. Um, I wish we saw a little bit more of the full-on leadership. I think that we get that, I guess, by Poe leading the squadrons there. But um, I wish we saw, like, those people that were brought. Like, I want to see Lando's leadership. How did he he, he do that? You know? (laughs) How? Yeah. Um, I like the the Leia never gave up and neither will we. We'll show them we're not afraid. And I, I like that. I like that all. Yeah, I agree. I I like the I like the whole situation. I wish that like Leia's Leia's call didn't work, but Lando's did. Yeah, I, I wish that that was kind of talked about a lot more. It's I I have a major problem with that. Yeah, and and he got so many people. Like, like everyone, but we didn't even talk about the timeline. Like the use, the path of time in this movie. I know <laughs> it's just insane. We they kind of build up this pressure cooker of what is it, sixteen hours until all the ships, all the star destroyers from Palpatine that all have miniaturized Death Star tech again on them, planet killing star destroyers. Uh, it's sixteen hours before they can leave. 
because I guess they like have to rev up their engines for 16 hours or something. And then at one point it's eight hours in the movie and then it's never talked about again. <laughs> yeah. So and they weird. like spend the night in a couple different places. It's so it's so weird. I don't understand what's happening in time <laughs> because it worked yeah. so well in the Last Jedi, but in this in this movie, it's uh, where are we and how much time do we have? Because everyone's really frustrated care. by the time, but then all of a sudden it doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. So that's that's whatever. <laughs> yeah, and we already talked about how I really like the whole um, just people as like a powerful line, but I really it. it can't go without stating it again i just really think that's extremely powerful um that those are all the people that showed up not just some like powerful army that is hidden away or anything like that it's really yeah. just people. yeah and it, yeah it i i agree and like we said we did touch on it earlier but i think it's a really it's a really good line and it just speaks to what rebellions were yeah are yeah um, okay, so we finally made it to Exegol, which is like, wow, we did this. Um, I think we should start with a space battle and kind of compartmentalize the Ray and Kylo and um, Palpatine stuff. So let's start with a space battle. Um, I mentioned before that like the whole not bad for one lesson thing is definitely a bonus, but I definitely like the space horses on the Star Destroyers. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's super cool, and I like this whole nature versus machine situation that it sets up, especially when it is it causes a problem. I forget what the terminology that they use, but they were like, "Why don't we, you know, fire on the start like the the X wings or something like that?" And they were like, "It's not X wings. It's it's you know, it's animals, right?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I think that's super cool. Yeah, it was a really a rustic shot that we saw, and. I thought it was really great. It was very different. And um, yeah, it played into the whole nature versus machine and war machine and stuff like that. And, you know, we're getting these whatever these creatures are from from Kef Beer. I think it worked really well. It was fun to see. It was a really great shot. Yeah. To talk about Janet and Finn kind of teaming together again, I think when they both have this, like when Finn has the feeling that he has to destroy a certain part of the Star Destroyer, and um, then I think that when he is going to kind of honestly like commit a suicide mission with Janna, and they're kind of inseparable at this point. Uh, this moment where he, he talks to Rose and is like, "Rose, please go." You know, um, I think that it's it's a really interesting moment because it really does harken back to Finn's like almost sacrifice in the Last Jedi that Rose saves him from, and here we have um, this sort of like implicit trust that has to exist between both of them. Of no, I know that I can do this, and this is like this is the right way to do it. And Rose has to kind of let go in this moment, even though I think that she doesn't want to lose another person that she loves, like losing her sister. And I think that, and that's I think that's, that's kind so of so generous of you. To it's have really some, generous. Have it's, such a lovely reading of that moment. It's extremely generous of me. <laughs> I I am I realize that, but I do think that it. Okay, so the cynical part of me is like, okay, so this is how JJ is going to get back for, you know, all the people saying that Finn was going to have this sacrificial moment in The Last Jedi, and he didn't get to have that moment because Rose ruined it. And I can't even believe those words like had to leave my lips in order for me to talk about it. But I think that that's kind of what's happening here, where it's like, no, here's Finn, and he knows what he's doing, and Rose has to let go. So there's two sides of this coin. You can choose whatever side you want. Mm. But (laughs) I think that there's there's definitely 
there's two sides and um, Finn and Jana are able to do it. They're able to blow up more child soldiers. So that's a thing that happens. And um, yeah, I, I continue to feel pretty cynical about Jana being swapped for Rose. So uh, in a lot of ways, in terms of like a duo, like, isn't it really just bizarre that you have two characters who kiss at the end of The Last Jedi and they exchange like two conversations one on one? Yeah. And one of them is over a comlink. Yeah, no, it's really bad. And it's just like, oh, we have Rose had the Fathiers and Janna has these other horsey creatures. It's like it's two space horses. Yeah, yeah. And then Rose had – like Rose and Finn had the suicide mission and now Janna and Finn have a suicide mission. Huh? <laughs> it, <laughs> and one is better than the other. Yeah. And it's romantic but also not because – It's not. You can interpret it the way that you want to interpret yeah. it. Yeah. Naomi Aki was playing it romantic. I don't know if John Boyega was but – you could. He might have been trying to tell Ray that it was romance that he had feelings for her, but he might have been trying to tell her that it was force sensitive. And even though he and Rose kiss at the end of the Last Jedi, that that doesn't matter. Um, it's just um, you can feel cynical about it. You cannot. And I think that the thing that's the thing that's interesting about this movie is that things are left so generalized. I think that you're able to kind of put your own interpretation on it. And I think this was definitely on purpose in you, order to yes, satisfy the, the, many different people. The Rose one, though, is, like, too generous oh, oh, of it's, you. Oh, it's egregious. It's too generous of you, to be honest. Um, yeah. The Rose situation, we haven't really touched on it, but it is it is horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they, I, Chris Terrio has said that it was because we needed an anchor to be back with Leia, and so we picked Ray, Rose. And I was like, well, why didn't you pick Poe, who has had a relationship with Leia for the past two films? That and he's he's gonna be leading them soon. I don't know. That makes sense to me, but Or even the fact that apparently Rose studied the Star Destroyer's plans so that they could actually commit through this attack, but it's doesn't that doesn't really follow through. There's no like Let's all thank Rose for, you know, studying really hard so we can make sure that this attack goes through. Or uh, There's no line like that. Finn gives her, like, the pat on the shoulder. I want to die. I just <laughs> – it's so bad. It's – I know. It's so bro-y and it's so bad. Uh-huh. It's just – it's not good. It's it's just really upsetting. And I can't I, – I, like, I can't imagine being Kelly Marie Tran and going through everything that she went through. And them parading her out at all of these press events for what is it, a minute and twenty six seconds of screen mm-hmm. time, and that they, they basically used her for PR for this movie is just it disgusting. Honestly, I hate and it. And constantly, and all the press constantly asking her questions about how she was driven off social media. Yeah, it's so she had to answer that every single time for her minute and twenty six seconds, twenty eight seconds, whatever. Yeah, um, timing under two minutes of screen time in this movie. Yeah, it it's honestly it's disgusting and they used her and yeah. it's very bad. It's very bad. So Okay, so then we get the moment with Wedge. Yeah, and I think that this was it's fine. I think that the line is a little strange, like <laughs> nice shot, Lando. I think that it's it's not it's weird because there's I felt like there should have been a couple of different cameos with this. And 
No one in my theater reacted to this. No. I think there would have been a much bigger reaction if we saw Wedge. And then right after that, we saw Hera. Right after that, we saw like Ezra, someone like that, you mm-hmm. know, or Kaz or Yeager, someone, you know. Yeah. Right after, after like all these, like, we're with you, Lanjo, like, nice shot, Land, all these things. I think that would have been great. And I think that it would have satisfied a, a couple different sectors of people who'd followed Star Wars canon because that's exactly what this, this, this moment is doing, right? Because, again, no reaction in my theater at all from this. There could have been more. Um, it didn't have to just be Wedge. I think the Wedge moment is really nice. Um, but it, it didn't have to just be Wedge. But And isn't it? Snap Wexley is Wedge's son, right? Um, Wedge's stepson. Wedge's stepson, who died in the clip before, right? Or right after? <laughs> I think it was right after. And there's no moment of like, oh my god. It's just like the timing of that is awkward. They they maybe should have reshuffled <laughs> when we see Wedge. Yeah, totally um, agree. But yeah, and there's just there's like so many ships that come. It's it's a lot for the eyes to take in. <laughs> Yeah, um, for sure. It's almost to the point where they've the the VFX people are just like stuffing ships in there, in yeah. there, and in there. And I don't know how effective that is yeah. because if the point is to kind of like Easter egg in some ships, like yes, we saw the ghost, which I think is really cool, but we saw that in the trailer, and like that's kind of as much analyzing as we've gotten. Like <laughs> this is this happened so quickly. There's so many ships. Apparently, the Colossus is there. Apparently, the Fireball mm. is there. But, like, I haven't seen it. And it's really weird because all these moments, the idea of, like, an Easter egg to me, it falls kind of flat when I can't even see it. And it could have served the story more, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, the question of Easter eggs, I think, is is a hit or miss in Star Wars films. Like I think Solo does it really well. I think the last I think Solo does it the best actually out of all of the Star Wars films that we've had. Um, but this wasn't it for me with <laughs> just this mm-hmm. like huge shot of just everything kind of stockpiled on top of each other. Yeah, I think it's 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 a cool shot. I, like the, the shot with the Falcon in it when it like jolts up. I think like obviously it looks great. Um, like technically it looks amazing, but like, I can't, I can't make out one ship from another really, except for the Falcon. Right. And maybe, right. maybe that's just exactly. me being like a newbie ship person, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I see people who are like super delighted by this and they get to kind of look at if there's like Y wings or whatever, um, in there. And I, I think that's. It's just not what we're going to be super hyped about, but I think that's okay. I think it's okay. Yeah. I just think that it definitely could have been better, and I would have done with more cockpit zeroing in on yeah. different characters yeah. from different, yeah. around. Can you imagine if there is a puzzle of that scene with all the shifts? Oh, be the hardest my God. Puzzle. I actually would love to do that puzzle. puzzle. I don't want to do that puzzle. <laughs> be very hard. I want to do it. I want to do an exit puzzle where it just all be blue. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's talk about the Palpatine and Ray focus scenes on Exegol. Okay, so the Palpatine and Ray focus scenes on Exegol. Um, I really do think that the shots I mentioned this at the top of the show are really interesting with the way that Ray kind of traverses in um, with with the uh, with the elevator and everything. I think it's great. You're the one that pointed out to me that when she gets to the arena, the chanting, <laughs> the chanting. is Palpatine. We are on your side. I. I think that's what they're saying. I feel like no one has confirmed this 
No one has confirmed that, but you you called I, it right away. Like in our first one, you're like they're saying Palpatine. I think, we are I think that's what they're saying. That's what I hear. I don't know if that's again that hasn't been confirmed, but that's what I hear. I <laughs> saying Palpatine. We are on your side. Just, I mean, that makes sense to me. But if it's not, then it could just be you know Sith chanting, Palpatine, which I Palpatine, I buy too. He's our man. If he can't Sith it, no one can. <laughs> True though. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's funny you have a note in our show notes of just who are they? Like literally, who are they? They're Sith cultists who got there without a wayfinder, and are just like, <laughs> where are they sleeping at night? Do cultists need sleep? I don't no, know. No, they've. They've been apparently, according to part of the visual dictionary, I think they've been there forever. They're like, oh, so they didn't need to get there with a with a wayfinder. No, they don't need a wayfinder. We're the Vader. Cultists? They're just Sith. They're they're Sith or they're Sith cultists. Yeah, they're Sith. You know, the thing oh. is, is that I don't need too much information about this. I can believe that, like, I, yeah. they're just they're like the Sith of the past or some sort of like ghost, some situation. I think they're creepy enough that. Like, I'm fine with not knowing anything, you know? Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's funny, though, that we all thought they were ghosts out there, but I guess they're actual people. Yeah, I think I would have been totally fine if they were ghosts, but it's, it's okay. It's very strange. It's fine. But then we would have been like, well, Sith can't be ghosts. Force ghosts. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's very confusing. The arena reminds me a lot of Mortis, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I think that... It's I to me the arena reminds me of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a combo of uh, Mortis and Attack of the Clones, like fighting in the pit and things yeah. like that. Well, the coloring, so. the coloring, the color scheme of Exegol is very similar to that Mortis scene. Like when when they're yeah. when the son and daughter are the birds, and they like drop them Ahsoka and Obi Wan in that arena. It looks mm-hmm. it, it's like very blue, like this is too. Yeah, yeah. And then we have so. Palpatine on a crane, <laughs> and which is so. In our initial reaction episode, I was like, "It's so on the nose with the, you know, he's puppeting. It's a puppet. Yeah, he's like a sock puppet on the end of a crane. And now he's you know? he's a puppet. He's the puppet now, even though he's the puppet master. Hmm. Which may, really just brings me back to my: How do I believe that this is? Am I supposed to really believe that this is fully the Palpatine? You know, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that in this scene you kind of get this whole thing of Palpatine's plan could not be more confusing. He wants to he wants her to kill him so that all the Sith can transfer from him into her and then she can live forever with the Sith inside of her. So he can live forever, I guess. And I think it's just so stupid that he says this to her when she comes in, lightsaber out, ready to kill him. If she, if he really wanted this, then why, why wouldn't just her, her – why do you tell her? Because she was ready to do that. She said that. That was her – her whole action was, I'm going to go kill Palpatine and, like, have some sort of revenge on him, right? And yeah. I – I don't know. I think that's super int- – that would have been really interesting if, like, all of a sudden, like, Sith were inside of her, right? And that some <laughs> – Yes. I don't know. How do, how do you remove that? I don't know. It would have been really interesting. Like a data chip. You can just override. The light <laughs> override thing. it. Yeah. Uh, before we move on into, like, this whole confusion down here on Exegol, I, I really uh-huh. liked um, Ray, like, the Wayfinder transmitting her location back to Finn and Poe. On the yes, space. I too. thought it was cute. And they're like following her, like connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I do too. 
That's another good use of the Wayfinder. Yeah. I like the visuals of it. Yeah, I did too. And that they're like watching her and then we see her like land on Exegol. I like that. Yeah. I also think that like the red like maw basically that they go through to Mm -hmm. get to Exegol is super cool. It reminds me of Solo. Yeah. But yeah, Palpatine's Um, plan is just (laughs) – it changes every five minutes and (laughs) – I. I don't understand. I, I guess I think it's really funny that it changes every five minutes. Like you said, but like you said, he's kind of lost his touch. He really has <laughs> lost his touch. I think that he's showing his too many cards. I think that he was like the grand puppet master, and like you said, now he's just the puppet. So like, there's no mastery. Actually, Palpatine. Ah, oh. see, I don't yeah. like that. I can read that into this. Uh, mm. Right. Oh. I, I like the I like the line that all you want for me to hate is is to hate, but I won't. Not even you. I I like Daisy's delivery of that line, even though I think it contradicts what came before. I do too. She just she, she's just been so angry up until now. Uh-huh. I guess like after her conversation Again, with Luke, there's no there's no resolve yeah. of the dark side dark side within yeah, her. Yeah, she just pushes it down, and I guess that's what you're supposed to do, right? That works out well, right? Yeah, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I <laughs> it works out super well when you conceal all those emotions and feelings you just bottle them you up conceal don't yeah feel. it works every time yeah it works every <laughs> single time when you don't work out those feelings at all mm. I think that it's I, I like that line and I like her I think the framing of it too I think it's a good like shot of her you know her parents my parents are strong I like the way that she delivers that line it was, she was good you know but and I, I believe her. I think that she she has every reason to believe that, I, that her parents died to protect her because of that flashback that we saw, even though it does contradict the whole drunkard after thing. After they sold her to protect her. That's yeah, the thing. I, I, think that, I think that Daisy and Adam in particular did the best job with what they had. So absolutely, if, if it wasn't them, then this movie might be unwatchable <laughs> with some yeah, of the I, stuff that they – because, like, the, you're right. This is good. Like, her parents – like, my parents were strong. She delivers it really well. But when you, like, couple that with everything that comes before, it's just a – it's a bad line. Yeah. But – Like, I, I believe her because Daisy sells me on it. So this is – I really like this part of Exegol. This is what I was talking about earlier with how I like how Exegol is below everything. And they're watching it up above. Because we have seen this – a couple different ways in Star Wars, particularly in Return of the Jedi and in The Last Jedi, when the evil person is showing the space battle out above and like everyone's all your friends are gonna die. <laughs> um mm-hmm. so I I liked how this was very different with them below her. And um mm-hmm. I thought it I thought it was really good. And this is actually one of my favorite Palpatine lines is in this particular scene where he talks about how, you know, like all the Jedi are dead and your family is dead and they're all like your found family is all dead and they're all up there. And then he goes, because after all, you're the one that brought them here and like all of this is your fault. And it's such a sinister line, the way he delivers it. I was like, ouch. Yeah, it's so good. I would I would totally like if I was Ray, I would fall in that situation. I'd be like. It is me that brought them here. Like, I literally led them here. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to die, and it's all my fault. And I, I really liked Ian McDermott's delivery of it. I thought it was – it was my fa- – it's the only Palpatine line that I believe <laughs> or that, like, feels the most sinister to me in this film is that one because it's very true. And it cuts right at 
like Ray's greatest fears, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And then immediately after that is when Ben arrives on Exegol, which is truly um the best <laughs> ever. Monumental. <laughs> truly monumental. monumental. He arrives, everything is good. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is perfect. And I think that <laughs> it's it's clear that in this moment, Ray is going to succumb to the dark side and is going to do what Palpatine asks. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, you know, he says he says, like, strike me down, all those things. And then he goes, like, the Jedi are dead. And then in that moment is when, right after that, when Ray and Ben kind of share a force bond scene. And the, the, the little subtle nod that Ben gives her that is so almost good. like, yeah, it's me. It's me. It's Ben. I, every time. <laughs> it's just so, so good. good. It's so good. It's so perfect. And again, this is one of those moments where I'm like, you know, Adam really, he, he nailed it. And so did Daisy. I think that in, in that scene, in the trailer, at the end of it, it's like all of the Raylos knew that she was looking at Ben. And I'm so happy that it's true because from there on, that's what changes her mind, that hope, that spark, that like change of heart mm-hmm. that is possible through Ben Solo that yeah. makes makes her kind of change everything that she was about to do because she really was. She was about to strike him down and, and turn to become empress palpatine i guess <laughs> and and by passing the saber to the back i mean that's such a freaking cool moment right I, it's been memed gloriously and i will never tire of seeing the ben solo shrug it's just perfect it's good it's like good follow through of the the first force bond or the one on pasana where they start where like the objects start coming into their spaces it's it's good follow through of yeah. that and i I didn't expect it. Me and I was neither. like, oh my God. <laughs> and then, now I've been thinking, I'm like, oh, did their hand did they like basically hold hands through the forest? They kind of did. They did. I think they did. I would I would have liked to have seen it. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's funny that it's like, are they looking at each other and then are they butt to butt? Like I love those conversations that are happening. Did they look at yeah. each other and then did they move butt to butt? <laughs> what <laughs> happened there? It's so funny. Yeah. Um I I I don't know. And then just seeing them kind of simultaneously fight one, the Emperor's guards, which is, you know, Ray looks so freaking cool, like mm-hmm. throwing the, the shots and the blaster shots and everything. And then um, Ben, I like the moment where he's like his back is out. You know what I'm talking about? And he has the he like kind of breathes and gives that like exasperated sigh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. good. Um, oh, I don't like don't forget the Han Solo shrug. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I just said that the, the shrug. It's so perfect. Yeah, it's very perfect. Um, and then even even when Ben comes on Exegol, we kind of went by this because we were focusing on Ray, but like his whole shot, like the blind shot basically is so Han Solo. We saw Han Solo do that in, yeah. in The Force Awakens and all these little things. And, you know, Adam was told to study Han's um, performances and that's why he kind of points in one scene with the mask on and he, you know, which is exactly what Han does and all those little like small uh, little character moments I think really built up to oh my god Ben Solo is like a living breathing character who's just like his father it's cool yeah it's such a testament to Adam's skill that he can pull it off yeah. and the fact that he does have no dialogue as Ben Solo um, I know whole other thing. but the he fact that he- Al, which is just like classic <laughs> yeah yeah but he just he carries it so well and you believe every moment of it too so it's 
yeah it's perfect and the sweater and just the hair the whole the whole kit and caboodle oh, i'm 100 so for <laughs> oh my god it's it's literally so perfect yeah i didn't get to talk about this before but i do think the chain is really cool um in in this version of hell because this is a version of hell this is a version mm-hmm. of the underworld they are descending down into it and i think the chain often chains kind of symbolize eternity and um eternal damnation and everything like that uh like the chains of hell the chains that you're forging and all these things so it is only apt that that is part of this version of hell i think this is an icy version rather than the contrast of red that we saw in the last jedi mm-hmm. but that's why i i I don't think this really has anything to do like metaphorically or anything with like Ben kind of slamming onto it. But I I just think that whole thing is really funny. I love the owl. I think it's perfect. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. Yeah. And so when they share that look, oh my God, it is so perfect because it is just like that look that they share when they finally get to each other um, in The Last Jedi. And the look just says it all of them working together and them you know, are we really going to do this? Yes, we're really going to do this. And then then they kind of assume the same position together. And oh, man, was that satisfying? Oh, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, their look, yeah. Yes. <laughs> their look here feels almost, is like more joyous. Yeah. Than even in The Last Jedi. The oh, Last yeah, Jedi yeah. I think like, they smile, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they did that. They did. They smiled. <laughs> they definitely smiled. <laughs> Yeah, I I really I enjoyed this a lot. I, I I can't I can't say anything bad about it. Nor should you because it is so no, good. No, it's good. I, ben Solo I thought, has captured the hearts of millions. <laughs> he has. He really has. <laughs> Hashtag. Where are you? I know. Save Ben. Where is he? Okay, so Ben gets to Ray, mm-hmm. and then things start to happen. <laughs> Oh, man. Stand together, die together. Okay, so oh. and the power of two restores the one, the life force of your bond. Okay. Mm. Um, mm. This is really where I start to lose it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle how cruel the force is in this moment. Mm-hmm. To me, the force bond represented, I've talked about it at length, the force bond represented mutual nurturing of people on opposite sides of the war an ability to talk to somebody um i think it really was a distillation down of the symbiosis of the force um and the for the rise of skywalker has turned it into a dark side ability this diad diad dyad i, I don't know why Dion? i struggle with Were this you gonna Dion? Say Dion? Dion? <laughs> Dion i feel like it's um i just i really struggle with the idea that this force bond is now a dark side thing when I thought it like fully represented love, at least the way I interpret it is I think that, I don't know. I it's, it's interesting because I think that it can still be a dark side bond where Ray and Kylo used it to nurture this sort of this loving relationship, right? This understanding and acceptance of each other. It doesn't have to be defined by a dark side or a life side, but I really did think it was the cosmic force bringing them together. And mm-hmm. instead, what all the ancillary material is, is telling me is that this is a dark side uh, situation. And the very mm-hmm. fact that two that are one, the life force of their bond, is able to fuel the emperor, um, it really just kind of grosses me out. Like I, I can't, I can't deal with how absurd and cruel it is to me that the force would bring these two people together 
And I think that it, it's confusing because even if you analyze, like, did Snoke actually manipulate the bond? Was the bond already open? I think the bond was already open and then Snoke dealt with it. But then how did how does Palpatine not know about it given the fact that he was Snoke? He created Snoke. Um, it's all very confusing. And I just think it's totally egregious and ridiculous that it, it fuels and creates Palpatine. It's to the point where Palpatine goes, look what you've made. Ugh. I don't want to get graphic with it and i won't but i just really really just like i really feel like this is so wrong <laughs> i just like i can't handle the fact that ray and kylo created and uh, like created palpatine in his f- original form like they brought they brought him back they brought him his original back. Film form like, yeah the a sort of rebirth happened with Palpatine because of them. And I am just, I don't understand. Where does the cosmic force even, ha- this is what they wanted? Their life force of their bond should have been able to take down Palpatine. I yeah. I don't I don't understand how it is used for this evil. It can do this, and then I assume that it has to do something else. But it never came back around. It's just, it's such a disappointing end to something that was so unique and was supposed to be so much more and then it turns out it's a dark side ability and it's snatched away just like that it brings palpatine back and then it's gone yeah like i said i would understand this whole like it is it, it is the ultimate like screw you to Palpatine that a Palpatine and a Skywalker fall in love like I love it I really do I part of me really does like that and the fact that they used this they could have used this dark side ability to create a like a a a soft (laughs) relationship essentially right this like love that exists between them love in which case one is willing to die for the other I think that that is 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 potentially beautiful about how these two people can kind of uh, usurp their dark dark side, their dark deeds, and perhaps that's what they were going for. But it really does color the way that I look at the Last Jedi and the way I view the Force. And I mean, I've always assumed that the Force was at its very core, not neither good nor bad, but neutral. And here we have something that kind of makes me think separately of that all. And I I feel like if Rey and Kylo are and continue to be instruments of the cosmic force, I don't think the force would want this. I really do think the force is cruel. I their coming together really was their undoing and I it it will haunt me that this is like it just feels so cynical, so tragic that the force wouldn't want two people to be together and that they that the the force would then continue and create a life force to allow the greatest evil being in the galaxy to reforge and reform and rebirth like are you kidding me yeah it's just it's not even the fact that like he uses their power because obviously he's using the dark side power to do that it's that he like Ray and Ben, in our perception, don't get happy endings at the end of this. And so they didn't really win. (laughs) And this is what I I think we've been touching on throughout is like, what is this movie saying about the Force? I think The Last Jedi, 
I think The Force Awakens brought up this idea of, you know, like that phrase of like democratization of the force, of anyone can have the force. And then The Last Jedi took it a step further and like basically brought together the guy from the most quote unquote prestigious lineage in the force and the girl who comes from nothing. And they're going to change the world because they represent this balance and that that's what the force is like correcting in itself. And that they're like, we've, we've brought up so many different ways that this was happening through their backgrounds, through like through their actions in these films, the fact that they are light side and dark side, all of these things to come to a greater understanding of what the force is. But then like you said here, it's like, well, the dyad, the force bond comes from the dark side. It brings Palpatine back to his original form. It lets Ben die. And then that's the end. And I just, I don't know what, nothing has changed (laughs) you know like we're we're, this is this is why i i you guys know we were always kind of speculating about the possibility of ben's death but we never liked it because it was like okay what does it mean that she's just by herself again without like that person who balances her in the force like everything it's just it's cyclical again you know, like Ben is not there to pass on what he learned and they are not there to balance each other. And this whole situation with the die, like you said, like stand together, die together. And, you know, their coming together will be their undoing. And that turned out true. And that just sucks. <laughs> it's just it's it's really hard to take in. Like I I thought this movie would say something about the cosmic force and about like morality. And I don't think it did. And that was what I wanted from it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know what it says about, like I said before, there. it's interesting. I think that you're right that, you know, the Force chose these two sides of the same coin. Like they're similar and they're separated by something very thin. And I think that, and all these are quotes that have existed by creators, including Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams and everything. And I personally thought that it was, like you said, a no one and someone from a prestigious like regality um, coming together to right the wrongs of the past. And instead, we have two sides of the same coin or the the we have one side. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what our coin looks like anymore. I don't either, Caitlin. Like, what is the coin? And that's that's so dis- that's so disappointing, you know. I, it's like the same face. What's the back of the coin? I don't know, you know. Yeah, because she got because she never confronted her own dark side, and then that person who like helped her explore that is dead. Yeah, and so like the the duality, like as it stands, I don't even know. I think the, there's definitely you can argue that since like Ben gave his life and like I guess he lives in her now right I I think you can argue that even though I I I just I I don't like it I just don't like it I don't and I I don't I don't think it's it's right and I um I don't know I just I, I feel really insulted as someone who was really interested in the way that the force bond was working and I was really intrigued by it that it would be um so cruel um I, I don't know i star wars a tragedy i know but i really didn't expect it to be like this star wars is tragedy it shouldn't have ended in tragedy it shouldn't have so. ad- ended in tragedy at all and i th- i think that it's 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 just i don't know i i feel like in our rule of two episode we speculated that like 
you know, pairs are so important and the idea of the force bond in itself is really important. And I think that in to some larger extent, we predicted, predicted this dyad, but I really thought that Ray and Ben were going to show the good in this connection and kind of usurp and go up, up above everything that came before with the whole Sith rule of two and everything that has been um, wronged in the past. I really thought that we were coming to an understanding of for lack of a better term, of democratization, like what you said before, of um, how the force works and uh, the way that things needed to be reset. The cycle does not need to like exist again in this terrible way, but the cycle needs to start a new, a new cycle. I just, I wish the dyad had been what killed him rather than what brought him back. But yeah, that's kind of the thesis statement on my whole opinion on the dyad right now. <laughs> right, is that right. it did this really gross thing in the movie, even though it and was the I, thing that brought them together in this whole trilogy. I just, I really do feel like this is going to be like continually advanced in, um, in canon. Even the line of like unseen for generations, like where's the next generation? Um, and I am, am just like. <sighs> It, hopefully someone gets it right hopefully it's not used for evil because it shouldn't be used for evil their connection if, any a connection between two people on opposite sides that brings them brings one person closer to the other person should never be used for evil and that's that <laughs> <laughs> you just sounded so angry i'm so angry caitlin i am so i'm so disappointed yeah i am i am <sighs> too it just it really falls short. And again, I just – I don't know what this film was trying to say about about Ray, about the Force, about any of it. It just – it. I think that's what's really just the most disappointing is yeah. that these things that I thought were definitely – and that's the thing that – it's not that it gave me something different in return. Like in return for me being wrong right. about my speculation, that's one thing. But if you give me something else to latch on to and to – like, oh, the force bond wasn't what I thought it was, but here's this other thing that has something to say. Oh, okay, let me dive into that. Let me speculate on what that is. But there's not – like, the thing I'm speculating on now is how the dyad brought Palpatine back to life and it was taken from them so easily. There was no fight from them. He just – like, Ben showed up and then he just snatched it. <laughs> And then he threw Ben in a pit. It's, just, it's awful. It's, when, it's so bad. It, it's it's clunky at best uh-huh. and just bad at worst. <laughs> I think that it's – it's first off, it's funny that he, like, regenerates with, like, new regal clothes. Like, it's funny. Let's be honest. And it's – and then when Ben comes to and – it's it's devastating because he literally says Ray like you can see his lips move and he like turns towards her and that's when um, Palpatine realizes and kind of sends him into the pit and like it's just so violent I'm just like why is it so violent why is it so comically long like there are things in this scene where I'm just like I don't ever want to watch this ever again yeah which is so crazy yeah it's it's something, that's for sure. What did you think of the the base up to a hundred lightning moment? Oh my god. <laughs> it's so much. It's so much. It's so it's, much. I just think it's funny. It's like it's the antithesis to like the silent Haldo maneuver. Instead it's like have you ever have you thought about this? No. That it's literally like base up to a hundred instead. I 
I feel so bad for all the Sith cultists on Exegol. Like, do they ever get any sleep? Maybe they don't need sleep. No. I wondered if they have like a lights out rule, you know, that by like 10 p.m. strobe lights are out, base is off. <laughs> no. It's bedtime. <laughs> it's bedtime. That doesn't happen. You're in constant pain in the, in the hidden world of the Sith. The life of the Sith but actually, cultist though. is not an easy one. Tread lightly. Yeah. The good thing I think I think the lightning moment is actually kind of cool. I think it's a good moment yeah. in the battle in terms of like you know pose like wow, ev- everyone's lost. Like I can't hear anyone. I I do think it's a good moment, and I like I like the way it's visualized. I think it's kind of awesome the way that you know Palpatine from the sea kind of the puppet. Like it's it's so ridiculous, but it's it's Star Wars. It can be this kind of cheesy and ridiculous yeah. in this way. I I appreciate um, just how different Exegol is with the like the strobe lights. And the coloring and like the location of it below the space battle, I definitely appreciate its its intent. So, Ray starts to hear voices. Yes. Of- so this is when she says be- she says be with me, and finally she's able to hear the voice of the Jedi that came before her, mm. um, which is a good full circle moment. I- it is from the beginning, mm. but again, I am still confused about what these Jedi have to do with Ray and what like they have to do with our story i think that it's more so much of this movie to me is like for the audience and not the characters themselves yeah. it's like projecting on like what we want to hear and like maybe i'm complicit in that because i'm like where's hayden christensen give me hayden christensen oh hell yeah you mm-hmm. know what i mean and i feel like i as a fan maybe i hyped that too much and then they thought that was necessary i don't know you know what i'm yeah. saying but i definitely do think it's a world between worlds moment when when it like breaks through all the lightning and everything is like doom and gloom and you get the space yeah just the space it's an interesting shot i will say and like the way that it zooms out is interesting um yeah it feels it feels like world between worlds it's a bit it feels like a copycat then i suppose of just having this like layering of voices again but they all are talking to ray Mm -hmm, which is interesting yeah but to your point what do they mean to ray and i suppose they don't have to mean anything to ray because they're jedi but this goes back to my point earlier today of you know, what? what is it that Rey wants out of the Jedi? What does it mean to be a Jedi? Like, I think that term is thrown really loosely around within the sequel trilogy, honestly, as a whole, but within The Rise of Skywalker, especially, because there's not, like, Rey went through this journey where she learned a lot about how the Jedi, like, she saw that dark side of the Jedi when she was with Luke on, on Octo in The Last Jedi, but there's not really... Like, is she starting a new temple? Is she – like, what is she doing? What does she want out of it? Like, with Luke in the original trilogy, I know that he wanted to be a Jedi like his father. He wanted – like, that was Mm -hmm. a part – like, his intention seemed pretty clear to me. I don't – I don't think I feel the same way about Rey. I also recognize that that might change in the future, uh, like, with, you know, in a couple years from now, how I view this film. Those things might not bother me as much. But, like, this – it was it was good. Like the the world between worlds thing was good. I think it could have been done in a different way because I think we speculated a lot that the world between worlds would probably present itself in a different way in the Rise of Skywalker, yeah. and it didn't necessarily. That being said, I I can't mm-hmm. say that I hate it. I just don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I am happy to see to hear like Anakin and all those things. It's as a fan, I'm delighted by hearing all those voices. Yeah. Of course. I really loved hearing Kanan. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But like, it's, it's just funny because I, 
I feel like there's it's funny it's a funny thing that's happening where I feel like every single Star Wars fan is hearing a different voice first. For me, yeah. hearing Anakin. Um yeah. for our friend Savannah, it was Ahsoka. And you heard Kanan like right away, right? Mm-hmm. And I I st- I don't think I've still even heard Kanan. And he's there. and I'm sure he's there, but it's just it's really funny to me how people can identify stuff like that where it, to me I'm like yeah, Anakin. Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah, you know. I think that's fun. Yeah. I want. I don't know actually for sure if Ewan McGregor presented his voice for this, which is interesting to even consider too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You had a note in here about how it could have been a lot weirder, and I think that that's the piece that's missing. Missing is it could have been so much weirder. Well, I think that there's so much in this movie that could have been way weirder. They could have dialed up the weird to ten, but they didn't. And I think this could have been really more ethereal, really just weirder, really kind of push the force into, you know, why couldn't Ray feel the voices of the Jedi before? And is it something that she really, really needs to channel? And what does she have to do? I think that in this, it just shows that like she needs to be the, almost on the brink of death, really, to ask for the the voice of the Jedi, I suppose, right? But I... Is that a good message? No, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> And the Jedi will only come to you if you're 95% dead. But that doesn't happen for Ben, so like, okay. Yeah, they don't come for him. Uh-uh, no. Never in his life. Well, it's, so, not, it's not told from his perspective. Yeah. So. That's true. But and then we hear Ahsoka, which is also kind of confusing because Ahsoka's not a Jedi, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> gonna blow right I, I can it. suspend my disbelief about that one just because I'm, I'm happy to hear Ahsoka, but I... Yeah. And I'm like, it makes sense that like Ahsoka would be with Anakin. And I know that there's been a lot of speculation about like, all these Jedi are dead, confirmed dead, except for Ahsoka. Does that mean Mm -hmm. Ahsoka is dead? Personally, I think no, just because I even in World Between Worlds, if this is a World Between Worlds moment, those voices are were all of people who maybe hadn't even been born yet with (laughs) with Ezra. So I think that it it doesn't really define anything in terms of ghosts or not. Um, Yeah. There's an argument to be made for that, obviously, but I would say it's hopeful. So, <laughs> yeah, honestly, if she if she's gone by by the Rise of Skywalker timeline, I'm I'm okay with that. Honestly, yeah, I am too. It, I think that it's we talked about that in a Ahsoka episode um, about like whether or not she'd appear as a ghost ever, and I I think I'd be okay with it too. But I just don't think that it's the end of the sentence, really. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. I think that the hang up I have is that it's such a big moment for Ahsoka to say, I'm no Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then to have her here when it's like, be with me, Jedi, be with me, Jedi. Again, like, what is our definition of Jedi? What, like, we're very loose with this term, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, people talk about her like embodying the attributes of like a true Jedi. And I get that. I'm for that. You know, I am. But also, she's not a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, and all, everyone else in this moment is like very much Jedi. <laughs> totally. Either I, you know, it's I, I can blow past it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, so the I am all the Sith and I am all the Jedi moment. Um, this worked for a lot of people, but to me, it feels so Marvel esque, and and yeah. I mean that in a bad way. <laughs> I. <laughs> I feel like I my notes here are no emotions head empty what does this even mean I I don't so if the rise of Skywalker did anything with the force it definitely kind of talked about this idea of like embodying things past like a thousand generations live in you now but only I don't the really Jedi know. can do that 
Well, not really, because apparently all the Sith live in Palpatine. Well, I mean, like, Jedi and Sith. Yes. So I, I just don't really know how to feel about this, because... I think that if I had left this movie understanding what this meant, because I just I just don't know what it means. I really don't. And because of that, I don't know how to feel about this moment. It's to the point where I am still really confused. Like the first time I saw this, I was like, what is even happening? This is how she's destroying him with two lightsabers instead of one. It's like the base window move, but with two lightsabers. And then that Mm -hmm. there's like a really violent Raiders of the Lost Ark head explosion head melting off moment. Um, there's so much Indiana Jones in this movie. It's kind of crazy, mm. and that you know it's it's this reflection of because um, she can't kill him because then that she, Palpatine will get what she wants and it will be an act of revenge, an act of violence that will plunge her even further into Sith, right? And yes. I into the dark side. So instead, she kind of uses the lightsabers to refract his energy onto onto him. I get that. That makes sense to me. But it it's it's still I've seen this movie like a bunch of times and it's it didn't really click to me that that was happening until I read online conversations and to me it feels like an I am Iron Man moment mm-hmm. and I just don't know how to feel about it because I guys I've just been thinking a lot about the ending of Return of the Jedi and how perfect it is that Luke throws away his lightsaber and defeats evil by nonviolence and the saving power of love that his father is able to save him from death by throwing him down a chasm. And I feel like I've always loved that Star Wars kind of ended in this nonviolence message. I don't think this did this for me. This was just a reflection of violence. It wasn't necessarily throwing away the sabers. It wasn't finding another way. It wasn't the healing power of love, which definitely comes later. But I doesn't, it doesn't, the defeating of Palpatine here, I'm like, is he defeated? Can you yeah, come back? Because, like, yeah. With, I, he, I don't, he has the power of the dyad in him now. There's no finality here. I do not feel satisfied. And I I feel like because I'm still confused, and it also happened really fast, you know? It did, yeah. That I, I just, I, I don't know how this reflects back on Return of the Jedi's message of um, nonviolence and love can save the galaxy. I guess it's because we can't throw him down another pit because he's already at the bottom. I know. <laughs> I know, but it's like, okay, then why do we bring him back? Because if we, if you bring him back, you have to think about the final way to defeat him and it has to be impactful. And if the reason that you're you're bringing him back in that final moment is going to be, oh, we're going to use the, the Mace Windu move. Like, are you telling me that if Mace Windu had two lightsabers instead of one in, Return of, in Revenge of the Sith, he could have like, and he kept... He kept the lightning refracting on his face. It could have he could have done killed. it. Yeah, we could have saved the galaxy. I mean, I guess so, given the fact that Anakin shows up and kind of ruins it all. I guess you can say that. And I'm sure that's where they got this idea from. It's not satisfying for me. And that's just a personal thing. Yeah. I, do, I just I don't think that it answers the question and gives me a, a like an, a clear understanding and a a confidence that Palpatine can't return again. Well, it's because he's not vanquished in this larger than life way. And this is this is back to what we were saying about the force and what it's doing in this movie. If you have this dyad that's unseen for generations, shouldn't it be able to do something that couldn't have been done for generations, which is actually kill Palpatine? Exactly. But instead if- it's this it's this like move it, it's just a it's just a move of refle- of reflecting the force lightning back on him it's not 
both of them doing it together, I think it would have been much more meaningful if it's something that the dyad is doing through them or like they're doing because Palpatine represents everything. Like Kylo got to kill Snoke in The Last Jedi, but it's rendered a little bit meaningless that the fact that it's actually Palpatine and then he doesn't get to be a part of killing Palpatine either. Someone who manipulated him his whole life, he gets thrown into the pit and then it's kind of this this move that what you're saying is like it's not satisfying and it and does it does it fall in line with with what we've seen come before no and and even if it's like it's just not satisfying honestly and like you said it's like zero resolve zero resolve i'm I'm not sure if he's actually gone because he could be a clone (laughs) and Mm -hmm. he was able to come back before so what's not to say he can't come back now you know it's it's not satisfying and it it could have been larger than life. Like you have these powerful force users, instruments of the cosmic force, use them to do something through the cosmic force. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I'll ever I don't it just it could have been more epic. Yeah. It really could have been. Yeah. And and for a lot of people this works and I am happy for you. Mm-hmm. I just wish it worked for me. Even on first viewing, I'm, I'm still like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So then Ray dies. But so, she doesn't, according to Chris Terrio. According to Chris Terrio, But there's so many shots of her dying and dead and to the point where it's disturbing. I'm disturbed by all those shots of her eyes my heroine. I, I, eyes open. Dead. It's a lot. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Terrio said that she was like – meditating basically and like preserving her life force so she's not actually dead which then kind of lessens ben's act but okay yeah i the the thing is chris terrio came out with all these interviews after remember how before the rise of skywalker we were like they're keeping chris terrio under lock and Mm -hmm. key because he's just so good he's gonna he's gonna change the world Mm -hmm. And then he came out after the Rise of Skywalker with all these interviews, and they we were like, "Oh my Please god, stop talking! <laughs> Please stop!" It, just, it was like every day there was a new Rise of Skywalker interview with Chris Dario, and it just progressively got worse and worse and worse. And I remember this one of it was like, "Well, she's not," and this, like him explaining this is, I think, to the question of like, "Well, why didn't Ray disappear? Like every other Force user has disappeared except for Leia." And he's like, well, well, she's not actually dead. Oh. Oh? <laughs> she, she looked pretty dead to me, so. She looked very dead to me, so. But, okay, I, I guess she's not actually dead. In this children's movie, but okay. So, yeah. Ben emerging from the pit, so heartbreaking, perfectly yeah, acted. It's the worst. Um, it's so sad. It's so sad. He is, like, clearly many limbs are broken, ribs broken, and he's dragging himself along the floor. Um, and it's really taking anything and everything in him to get to Ray's side. And it's so heartbreaking. It's so desperate. It, and I think that there's like, you know, there's a couple of shots of kind of Ben looking around for help. I think even his, his mouth even says, somebody help me. (sighs) It's so much. And then he like, he doesn't even want to look at dead Ray. And I think at the same time he is, kind of counting all the moments that he has because this could potentially be his last moments. So then he heals, he heals Ray and 
Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, and her hand coming up over Oh, my his, God. So good. It's It's really good. And it's – the whole thing, it's like – he should have been up there with her defeating Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't any – I don't know why he couldn't have been there if they were both – they're both being controlled by Palpatine in the end there through Ray through her lineage, Lord help me, and Kylo through his whole life, Lord help him, mm-hmm. you know. And we could have still had this healing scene. But it is it is like so heartbreaking the way he just like rises from the pit and no one was there to help him. All the Jedi came for Rey. I guess they didn't come for Ben. Luke didn't come for Ben. Anakin and Luke came for Rey, but not for Ben. You know, it's just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't either. I don't understand uh, why there was not this resolution with the actual Skywalker family. It really doesn't feel like I, any care went into thinking about this traumatic human who has gone through a lot and you know they they took so much care in canon to kind of build up this like unbelievably heartbreaking story of a boy who had been targeted his entire life and been kind of jostled between different paths and different destinies um and you know you say this all the time ben solo never really has gotten to ever be ben solo he's always been you know the skywalker heir the jedi you know someone the prince of darkness all these things and even in the end, no one came for him. No one helped. No, nothing. And he, mm-hmm. I think that the the moment itself, it's so tragic, and it is it is done beautifully. Like it is really acted yeah. perfectly. I think that it really does round out the Anakin Skywalker. I'll finish what you started. Um, ben was able to save the one he loves from dying. Mm-hmm. Like it's heartbreaking. It's something that we had predicted for so long, and it really came to fruition. But God, it is. It hurts so much. It hurts so much. Yeah, yeah. It it is really. It hurts a lot, and I. I'm so glad we knew going in. We that had he to was know. Going to die. We, we had to know. Yeah. Or else I would have actually lost it way more than I already did. Yeah. It. It just it feels so unnecessary to have like him sell Ben Solo so well and for him to actually make it out of the pit and to save her. And we've had so many fake outs of Jeff in this movie, but not his. It's just it's it doesn't make sense like in the pattern of the film. And like you said, it just it feels like they didn't take care of of Ben's character. They didn't take care. I don't think they took care of any characters really mm-hmm. in this movie. But but Ben in particular, like there is no resolution with him as a Skywalker himself. And that's really upsetting. Yeah. So Ray wakes up and it's such a beautiful moment and like that that's that's what's so hard is like you know what's coming now when you watch it and you like have to hit pause <laughs> right after the kiss so you don't have to watch him die i know <laughs> and you know she holds his face and touches his hair and he smiles and she kisses him which i'm so glad that she was the one to initiate it i really think and that he a- he like looks over her and like wants to kiss her so bad but is waiting for her to do it and then she does it and it's just so good yeah, it it's really good. It was I remember like being so overwhelmed that it was actually happening in the movie. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, I'm seeing this. I'm actually seeing this on the screen in front of me. 
I know. I was. I'm still shocked that it even happened, even though I was a firm, mm-hmm. firm kiss believer. I believe you, <laughs> you did. You did. But at what cost? At what cost? I don't know. At cost. I think that I it's. I don't know. Like I, I think I've I've watched the scene. Raylos, I know you have too. Like a million times in GIF form, like a legal GIF or even a legal video form of like we've watched it like fifty thousand times. But in no way are we watching the ending. <laughs> We're not. Yeah, no. And I just think it's just, like you said, like she touches his hair, she touches his face and everything like that. And it's just where it really brings me back to the Last Jedi novelization where, you know, when they're so close and, you know, Raven Ray's, from Ray's point of view, she remarks that she wants to reach out and touch his hair, his hand, his face, all those things. And I, I'm just so happy she was able to do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that then Ben dies afterwards after giving his life to her. Again, I just want to pause. It is a beautiful moment, but what's a travesty is that the idea, I, it's just like the lesson of failure doesn't get passed on. This whole relationship is mm-hmm. completely concealed. No one has talked about it at all. And therefore, we don't get a, a series of an atonement. Instead, it is it can be chalked up to just another Anakin redemption. It's not yeah. different in any way, despite the fact that it, there's a romantic element to it. That's the difference. That's the only difference. And because of no atonement and no like healing of the scars of the past – we don't get to move on from this. There's zero catharsis for the characters and there's zero catharsis for the audience. And it's so fast. The way that he falls back in Ray's face is so confusing. You have to think that something else happened there. I don't know. It's The way it's edited is so quick and so fast. It's just like Ben's death is under 30 seconds. One minute later, she's in an X-wing flying out. And the- yeah heroic and happy and you know everyone's like oh there's ray's x-wing yay that's literally one minute later and i'm yeah, just like x-wing yeah i i just have s- s- so many questions like i i think that there's something there about leia rem- her body remaining until she's with ben but you know i've seen some edits on youtube <laughs> it's so cool to even get like i I just I have like I have to think about this in my head because it's the only way that I cope to be honest is like there has to be something else that happened here something else that they were toying with because why does Leia wait and I think that obviously like you can say that it's because Leia wants to like spiritually guide Ben who probably didn't learn how to like um understand the netherworld of the force like Yoda did or Qui-Gon did and all these things and I guess Leia did for some reason and I think that you can you can think that but I do think that what if she was like waiting to give her life force to Ben and he would re- re- reappear somewhere. I just, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. I think that it is so quick. It's so fast. And it is, it, it doesn't give our heroine any time to grieve and it doesn't give the audience any time to grieve either. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, I mean, I feel like you've you've said my feelings on it too. It's I saw an, you sent sent it to me actually. It was an edit of if Luke's if the end of Luke and Return of the Jedi ended like the end of Rey in yeah that was Edith. the Rise of Skywalker. It's so crazy. What that was yeah. Edith. Yeah, it was. It's so crazy, and it it like he doesn't he doesn't take Vader with him after he. Uh, 
after he dies, he doesn't do the funeral. He doesn't see his um his force goes. He ends up back on Tatooine flying the plane like that he does it in New Hope. And this moment where like you're right, the look on her face is one of confusion. It's not one of sadness. It's like, what's happening? Like that's what her face says. It says, What's happening? And then it's over. Mm-hmm. And he's gone. And then she's back in the X Wing and it it's done. It's just it's so jarring and heartbreaking like I I don't know what to do with it I'm like it's done like we're done we're done (laughs) um and like you said like everything is still concealed nothing has been talked about I just it's really frustrating it's, it's really hard coming to the end of this story and not feeling at peace at all with how any of the characters have been handled yeah it's really hard because also, I think if you compare it, like you said, with Luke and Ray, I think there is such care that Luke gives in making sure that, you know, his his father's body doesn't die among the symbol of galactic evil, the Death Star. And, I, you know, he he drags his, it's so it's so beautiful. He drags his, his father's body onto, you know, I'm not leaving without you. I'm not, I'm not all these like wonderful lines. Um, and even though Vader dies on the Death Star, L- Luke takes his body, gives him a funeral pyre, and kind of mourns him in his own way that is separate from the group, separate from the trio, all these things. And I I am shocked that we don't get the same for our heroine. I, I Yeah. It's just I – it's to the point where for the rest of from this point on to the rest of the movie i am just and i'm not alone in this stunned none numb because Mm -hmm. i don't get any time to grieve and neither does ray her soulmate died her other half of her soul died someone who she's a a dyad in the force to unseen for generations two that are one i i don't it's gave his life for her he gave his life for her and I just, there's no, and and she wanted to kiss him, you know, and I, I, I feel like there's, there's such a lack of um, care that's really given for the audience to mourn and for our characters to mourn, um, especially when you paint, when you paint Kylo Ren as such a s- sympathetic villain, a character who you can understand his motivations and who he is and everything that he is, um, despite not knowing his perspective, and you give him these moments of complete humanity, um, which is, it reminds me of that George Lucas quote. I don't have that in front of me, but the whole like villain, villain story that he was like, he likes that idea of telling a story from the villain's perspective. And then you find out that all he's trying to do is regain his humanity. So in the end of the story, you get Ben Solo regaining his humanity, but you have no sort of reconciliation, no catharsis with understanding that that humanity deserves to, that, that act, that final act deserves some sort of support, some sort of care um, in the story. I, I just, th- there has to be something more there. Wasn't there, was there something more? Like what happened here? You know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It makes me really mad. And she, she Ray, if, if we want to compare the Vader and Luke thing, Ray leaves Ben's clothes, I guess, because we have no idea. If she, I have to assume that she took his, took his clothes. I would I would think he, she would, but we don't see that. She lives him to die in a Sith mausoleum. Good, like Ben Solo, he dies in a Sith mausoleum. I I, I 
I just don't understand it. It's like symbolically, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No catharsis, nothing. Yeah, that I think that's the thesis statement of it. There's no catharsis. It just feels it feels so empty, and it feels like this wasn't what originally was happening in these scenes, and because the characters aren't reacting in the right way. Like mm-hmm. Ray has so much more of a reaction when Chewie dies, and her reaction is good. Which like I'm not saying like she reacted too much with Chewie. I'm just saying like those are both important people in her life. And well, Daisy and Adam are really good actors, and they've sold us on this like relationship this relationship so much and then she doesn't she doesn't do anything she doesn't it's not like a i'll carry on your legacy i'll remember you always or 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 the other end of the spectrum of just like full-blown hysterics or a a single tear like Mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and it's bad and yeah, like you said, you just sit through the rest of the movie just absolutely stunned. And it's like, oh, oh we're, ra- we're wrapping things up like we're done. And then we get to the resistance base. There's a really cute Rose and Chewy hug. I don't even want to talk about the trio hug. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's, it's whatever. I don't feel anything from it. I know you don't either because the trio feels contrived to us. Other people do, and that's great. And then – and then we go back to Tatooine. And this we is, go back to Tatooine. This is where I lose my freaking mind. <laughs> I can't believe I I we finished on Tatooine. I I'm like I Oh my god. And the, this too was one of those things that was just made 158% worse by Chris Terrio in some interview he gave where he just basically would not stop talking about how they had to get the twins to Tatooine. Well, that and doesn't like, that says it all, right? Is that the yeah, whole story yeah. was continuing Luke and Leia's journey? We had, not we had a to new get journey. them back to Tatooine, and he even says um, because they hadn't been there before, or like they never they hadn't been there together. And I'm like, they very much were there together when Leia was enslaved. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a good place for them to have their final resting place. Their final resting and- place at a place Luke wanted to leave, where his where his grandmother died, who he didn't even know, where his father was enslaved, mm-hmm. where his aunt and uncle who raised him were murdered by the, by the Empire, where Han Solo was put like frozen in carbonite and brought back to the gangster's Jabba Hut to be table decoration, and then where his sister was enslaved and had to kill Jabba. Like, I just there, there's no reason for us to be back on Tatooine. Well, I just, it does it does it mean anything to Ray? Really, does it mean no, anything? No, how does to she Rey? even know? Why this is would another, Luke and Leia this tell is her another, about Tatooine? This is just another one of those moments where it's supposed to mean more for the audience than it does the characters. And for that, I think they totally misjudged and did not count at all on the power of their own characters. I just can't handle the framing and like the almost crudely cyclical narrative of you know, the truly beautiful introduction of that Ray gets in The Force Awakens um, of her solitary, quiet life on Jakku, where she's brushing the thing. She said, I remember Daisy saying it was when I was brushing the thing um, mm-hmm. and she was looking at the old woman and that take was really hard for her to, to nail. And but it, it was, it's an important take that's in there that she the way I had interpreted it and the way that I think it was meant to be interpreted was Ray did not want to end up being like that old woman who was still scavenging 
um, sun, like the sun had completely like, uh, you know, burned her skin essentially. Like she mm-hmm. had seen better days. And I think that Ray is supposed to think about her youth and how she she wants so much more than just to continue in this in this certain life. And it is supposed to echo in a certain way the way that, you know, the binary sunset does of I want so much more than this life. And instead, I think think there's something to be said about like returning back to like your home as like a changed person. But this is not her home, and this was not a place that anyone wanted to return to. Mm-hmm. It's not where Luke and Leia and Han returned to. It's not like it's like they wanted that hopeful that hopeful ending on Tatooine that we get at Revenge of the Sith, but it's not at all the same. And it just and and everyone everyone out there is like, well, she's not like she's not staying on Tatooine, and like, no, of course she's not staying on Tatooine. But, like, the imagery of leaving her alone there doing the same thing that she was doing in the very first film when she felt so alone and isolated, and she's still alone and isolated, is just – I hate it so much. And I think about if we had – if they had switched the scenes of Tatooine and then, like, her returning to the Resistance base – like that would that that overall wouldn't have worked for me because like I'm not a trio like I don't buy the trio relationship but I would I still would have felt a lot better like the tone overall would have been better with just switching that but they're like nope we got to get her to Tatooine she's got to go to the homestead the Lars homestead it's not even the Skywalker homestead it's the Lars homestead and she's got to bury the lightsaber she's gonna see the ghosts of Luke and Leia but not Ben because we had to get the twins to Tatooine. And then she's going to look off into the sunset just like Luke did in A New Hope. Well, that was Luke's first story. Like, This is her trilogy, and that was the beginning of Luke's journey. But instead, am I really supposed to think this is the beginning of Ray's journey? I, I thought this was a coming-of-age narrative. Um, this is her coming back to the very beginning and it all has to do with her sliding down in the sand in the same way that she did when she was younger in the beginning of our story. Um, I just, I don't, I I really don't know who thought this was a good idea. I can, part of me can get past the whole Ray taking the Skywalker name. I, I think I can do it, but I, I don't necessarily like it when it was said in our theater. I think it was met with audible groans. Yeah, um, I was like, oh, really? Yeah, and I think it, to me, it's like a mark, I, I see through it as like a marketing move more mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah. And yeah, I, I hate that. I hate when I can feel that, you know? I also think that the name Skywalker, I I think it's it's a cursed name at this point. And I'm like, why would you even want it? But I guess it can go towards like what I said. I can, I think I can get past it just because I think that I can understand this whole like reforging your own identity thing. Even though I think that her being nobody would have been better. Um, just, I think I don't. Even her being saying Palpatine, I think I would have been okay with. But I, I still am not. I'm just not sure how I would have liked this movie to end. But it, it certainly wasn't this. Yeah. And I know that there are some Raylos who are like, I wish that he st- she said solo. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that I wouldn't feel delight in that just as someone who really likes the Raylo dynamic and ships that pair. But in, in that way, I almost think that it would be 
I don't know. That kind of fits even better just because the name Solo is a no name. It's a name that was chosen by Han because he was alone. And And I'm like, well, Han didn't even pick it. That officer picked it. Right. And And I'm just like, I feel like he kind of reforged it. And I I don't know. I feel like maybe if she picked her own name, it it would be better. But I'm not sure. I just, I can't get over how much I hate this ending on Tatooine. I, I I will never be okay with it. And I don't like her picking Ray Skywalker because at this point, this is like her third name that she picked. I, you know, it that is what it is. And I guess she goes by Ray Skywalker now. But it's just more concealing of her true lineage. And, you know, Brea or um, not Brea, uh, Beru and Owen did that with, with Luke. And that wasn't a good idea. And then Ben and Yoda did that with Luke, and he felt horribly betrayed by that. And then they made the same mistake. And and like Brea and Bale did that with Leia too about Vader. And they all hid that. And then they did that with Ben too, and that was horrible. And then like I don't know. And then like Luke and Leia knew that Ray was a Palpatine and hid that from her too. And that wasn't great. And now she's hiding it again by taking their name. I just. The point was to end the cycle of all of these of all of these things happening, of this concealment of identity, of having to choose Jedi or Sith, um, and, and and I mean that by like light and dark side of having a greater understanding of what those things actually mean. And I don't think that this film did any of that. And so at the end of the day, this saga and this trilogy didn't either. And we're right back where we started in 1977. So I guess the whole thing will just repeat itself again and no one will have learned anything. Yeah. And I, I hate being so like cynical about it, but that that's how I felt. I think the narrative itself is cynical. Yeah. So I think that so. you, you kind of feel, feel that <laughs> kind of emerging through um, such a lack of resolve, such a lack of catharsis. Um, there's, how do we even move forward when we're just moving back? Yeah, literally back, back to the start. Mm-hmm. Because you know we had to get the twins to Tatooine. We had to get the twins to Tatooine. Had to no choice them. but get to get the twins. We had to, Tatooine. to get the twins to Tatooine. <laughs> and that was the end. <laughs> that's the end. We made it, Caitlin. That's I. I I don't I don't know what to say. I. I feel sad that I feel this way about this movie. Oh, I wanted to love it. And it we've been great. talking about nothing else but this movie. I really yeah. wanted to be so surprised and delighted. I've never been disappointed by a Star Wars movie in my life, but I felt insulted as a fan. Yeah. And I felt my intelligence kind of insulted. And I that sounds extreme, but I, I almost feel like embarrassed by everything that I've consumed and my devotion to the sequel trilogy. And I hate that feeling, even though I still I still love it. I still love the sequel trilogy. I still love Star Wars and I'm not going anywhere. But I I I I just feel betrayed by thinking that the story would be about Ray. And I don't think the story was about Ray. And I don't no. think the story was ever about Ray. Yeah. I I still like seven and eight a lot (laughs) um yeah and i'm hoping that one day i'll be able to like fully compartmentalize nine away 
from my Star Wars <laughs> fandom life. <laughs> and it's it's hard because I know I feel like things will be changing in the future that I don't use the word word retcon, but will change, will make better some of the choices that were made in The Rise of Skywalker. But mm-hmm. it'll always feel it won't feel intentional, like that that was always the plan. It will feel like it's supposed to be putting a band-aid on this movie. Yeah. And that just upsets me because it, it shouldn't have been like this at all. And yeah, it just it does make me feel makes me feel silly for having thought that this was going to say something meaningful. And I, I don't think that it did. And I don't think that it treated its characters well, which were the strength of this trilogy, were its characters. And it left them by the wayside in the end and didn't let them go anywhere new. Mm-hmm. And it's just it, – it's it's really frustrating and I I don't know what else to say about it, honestly. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have more to say in yeah. the coming months because I, I know that – I'm really eager to see what's in this novelization. I'm and very eager. Um, the art book has been leaked and all those things are so interesting. I can't wait to get my copy. Um, like I said, I'm still in Star Wars. I'm not, I'm going nowhere, but yes. I, I feel like this was, perhaps this will be a blip on the radar and I bet like, who knows? I, this, this movie will kind of, I, I do think that right now it feels very raw. I don't think we can sink any lower than we sink, have with sunk right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that things will soften, um, this movie had major things on our checklist that happened and to the point where I've never felt like I've, I felt so much joy seeing Ben Solo's redemption in this movie. Like I, again, can't really believe that happened and watching it. I was so overwhelmed with emotions that it was happening. Um, it, that I did feel some sort of personal catharsis with, yeah. <laughs> but uh, otherwise but that's I, about it. Yeah, otherwise it's just like a mental gymnastics for me to try to figure out this movie and I am doing that every day. I, I yeah. this movie lives rent free in my brain. I all I do is think about this movie and and I think it's generally because it disappointed me and I wish it didn't. I've been doing everything I can not to think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's rough. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's going to be the end of this review that I'm definitely going to be splitting up into several parts or <laughs> two parts maybe. So, uh, wow, that was a really long time, but we got it out there, Caitlin. We did it. We did it. We, we done did it and it's out there. Take it as you will listeners and congrats if you made it this far. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I feel like I should send you a prize or something. Um, I know for real, but I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode or this this series of episodes about the rise of Skywalker, how it will be chunked up. Uh, we do still love Star Wars. And uh, like Charlotte said, one day this will be a blip. And there are a lot of other things this year that we're really excited about. So I hope this, if you, I hope this didn't bring you down too much because we are, we do still love this franchise and we are still going to be talking about the things about it that we do love. So please stay tuned for that. Um, but you guys know where to find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod and then Charlotte and I's personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Crarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com. Please fill out our survey, our listener survey, if you haven't so far. It helps us get to know you. And then we also, you can also give us ideas on things you want to hear us talk about or anything like that, which we would we would greatly appreciate. We've got some really great ideas 
uh, so far. And you can also sign up for our newsletter if you're interested in that. And if you haven't left us a review on iTunes, it would really make our new year, our 2020, if you did. So go on over to iTunes and do that. (laughs) And uh, you can also head on over to our Patreon if you're interested in supporting us that way too. Yes, absolutely. And I want to say a huge thank you to our amazing patrons. Joey, Jason, Emma, Aaron, Dylan, Fifi, Kimberly, Suki, Paul, Derek, Patrick, Carrie, Jordan, Albert, Fiorella, Marty, Spencer, Jenna, Jessica, Mike, Thomas, Bridget, Shelbo, James, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Diana, Becca, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Mary, John, Fundacast Productions, Alex, Alicia, Brian, Paul, Isabel, Eaton, King, Noobs, Kimberly, Madison, Shelbo, be one reply susan skyla tegan imbecilius Brittany, monica steven joanne scott daniela leonka sarah kat dylan erica aaron matt demi ayinka hunter claire francois brad ashley josh brandon Kristen, eunice danielle matt debo irena edith jacqueline rachel lady vader John, Kevin, Ian, Raz, Lakshana, Candice, Ewan, Tom, Daniel, Heather, Brooklyn, Kimma, Jalea, Matthew, Captain Britton, Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, Kimberly, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Santara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararu, Hammy, Neil, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Allie, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Adam, Chloe, Nicole, Cecil, Allison, Timothy, Miss Art, Rebuild, Jen, Jordan, Camille, Amy, Jared, Claire, Caitlin, Helly, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Mm-hmm.